welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm, I nearly said my full name because <laughs> I forgot this is not teen girl talk. I'm your neophyte, Frank. I've been confuddled by these episodes. <laughs> Today we're going to try our best to get through Degrassi, The Next Generation, Season 3, Episodes 11 and 12, Holiday. Now to help us through these very out-of-date holiday episodes... Um, we have one of our buddies, a veteran, Pierce. Hello. Hi, Pierce. I'm happy to be here. Glad to have you back. Yeah. Apparently these episodes are named after the Madonna song holiday, but considering when these episodes came out, I feel like they're actually named after the Green Day song holiday. I but then I found out that these episodes weren't even named holiday originally anyway. So, who cares? What were they named? Do you even know it's Christmas? Oh my god, I only knew them as holiday. Oh god. Yeah, I don't know. Oh god. Well, if we had only started this podcast a few months earlier, we would have this would have hit right at Christmas time. Yeah, like I was totally thinking about that when I was like, oh, I wanna oh no, are you showing me pictures of Caitlin while I'm trying to record? Oh no. Wait, what's happening? It, it, it's on the Degrassi Wikipedia page. <laughs> And it's just, Caitlin is just looking just a bit frazzled. <laughs> it's Caitlin's natural state. I relate heavily to Caitlin. <laughs> I, I don't not relate to, we'll talk about this. Before we get too far into this episode, before we really discuss this episode, Pierce, as our guest, I must offer you to give us a brief introduction to our A-plot and our B-plot. Uh, A-plot... Uh, so we, we, we slightly discussed this off air that the A plot and B plot are, are slightly interchangeable. Uh, I've podcasted before. I've spoken. Um, the A plot and B plot are kind of interchangeable in the sense that they seem to carry the same amount of weight. Um, I guess since this is Next Generation, the A plot does surround Craig uh, simultaneously dating Ashley and Manny at the same time, being that being Christmas time. Uh, and both of them, well, Manny more so being like, break up with Ashley. Uh, Ashley just being nice. Uh, and then the B-plot is Joey and Sydney are together, but Caitlin is hanging around a lot. And for uh, anybody that didn't watch the original Degrassi, they're like old, well, Joey and Caitlin are former Degrassi graduates mm-hmm. who... I, this is the, this is, uh, they, they dated like twice before, like in yeah. previous seasons. Yeah. yeah. So they're like old, an old couple, but they're not a couple at the time of this episode, uh, airing. They're just friends. Yeah. Uh, uh very close friends, but whatever. I guess everybody in Degrassi also hangs out from the time they're in like seventh grade until they're like dead. So, you know, <laughs> like you do. Um, so whatever in, in the world of Degrassi, fine. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would say that's pretty much, I, and then, you know, shit goes down, obviously, obviously you can't do, you can't date two people. Polyamory is not a thing in the Degrassi universe. No way. Uh, it's never going to be. Degrassi universe. <laughs> and, yeah. And so, uh, uh, you know, ethical non-monogamy doesn't exist. Uh, and so in, in Degrassi and so. Uh, yeah, only only unethical monogamy exists uh, in Degrassi. So, but that's all of Canada I hear. 
Stop! <laughs> we have Canadian listeners to be like, fuck it. This is the last time you shit on our one on our country. They're just like, wow, four minutes in. Thank you. Click. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you just saved me an hour and twenty-four two hours and twenty-four minutes. <laughs> I was gonna say an hour twenty-four, that's very generous to our episode. <laughs> Yo, for everybody who makes it through a full episode, congratulations. <laughs> right? I mean, I think we stay pretty yeah. strong, strong all the way through, but still, this is quite a commitment. It really is. <laughs> I, I, if y'all name it, I hope I can make it through, because that's what you said. That's what somebody said the first time you told them you had a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm going to start telling people that. <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Well, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be very transparent from the start of this episode. As the veteran, I had a hot take about this episode when I was so small. And it was, I hate this ep- these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did not like these episodes as a kid. So it is, it is interesting having to revisit them because I still don't like them. And I want to be transparent. There's no really severe content warning to put on this episode, but I will admit this is one of the few episodes that I straight up just never cared for. I would also like to also be transparent in that I watched the wrong episode for today. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, Donnie and I were texting, and I was just like, I texted Run Chris Run about episode 313, and I was just like, and Donnie's just like, Hang on, I thought we were recording these episodes today. He's like, but, because I thought epi- this was episode 211? <laughs> like, this is after, or, like, this was after, uh, what the fuck episode I watched today? <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, oh, cool. No. Yeah, it was. I, I, I to- did watch that one also. I mean, we could talk about that one. <laughs> this, this. This was a fucking, today was a fucking mess, so I, my program starts running at like 2.30. At 2.30, almost exactly, Frank revealed that he had watched the wrong episode, and the guests that we're recording with tomorrow also revealed that they watched the wrong episode. So I am frantically trying to, like, trying to work around the fact that (laughs) you're obviously trying to court my cat while I'm trying to record. She knows what she's about. She does know what she's about. I'm like trying to uh, uh, scramble and get kids set up for for after school while also trying to explain to Frank and the guests going like, I think you're supposed to be watching blank episode. Anyway, Pierce, thank you for watching the right episode. And I did watch these episodes. You're welcome. I watched one episode on my second break and then while waiting for my sister so we'd go see Captain Marvel. Fabulous. Um, so we decided... I, I watched oh, a lot of Degrassi in cars, apparently. Fascinating. It's, it's a pretty natural place to watch it, I think, in a weird way. It, a, I think it's like, because you can watch it on public transit and, and in cars, and nobody can really judge you for what you're watching, because with the sound off and out of context, it just looks insane. That's pretty true. There's that, and then there's also just like, I feel like to be a teenager, if you are in like a suburb, is like your natural state is like in vehicles, so it feels right yeah. to me. Um, it's like, like this episode starts with with Joey and Craig hugging a Christmas tree, uh, with kind again with no sound. There's just context for that. Uh, also, that first episode is supposed to start with a snowball fight. 
does not exist in the American uh, airing of this show. I did a lot of research, guys. I'm really um, impressed because I never do with these <laughs> things, and I really should. Really, I just went on the Wikipedia like 15 minutes ago. Yeah, but uh, I yeah, don't no, even apparently do that there's much. A, Apparently, there's like a cutesy snowball fight between Craig and Ashley that's like before, supposed to play before the credits roll. Hmm. That I guess is supposed to establish their relationship or, or whatever. <laughs> in case you forgot. Um, that, yeah, that that doesn't exist in the American broadcast, but does exist in the Canadian broadcast. So I can only assume it was just too racy for American audiences. <laughs> Well, before we get, that's so ridiculous. I I should have like w tried to watch it online uh, so I could fully immerse myself in such a detail. But before we get too far into it, let's just kind of set up how the layout of this episode, which is that um we're just gonna go through it a plot b plot together because this episode was incredibly intermingled, and I would argue that the freaking a plot and b plot were so similar. Yeah. They were they're basically the same. They're basically the same. They're not even like <sighs> yeah, because like we're oh god, the spikes. <laughs> like we're so used to like A plot is just like hard hitting dramatic stuff. B plot spinner can't stop farting. <laughs> and it's just like okay, cool, cool, but like I honestly I honestly like the just all right here's all we're doing this episode it was a nice change of pace for me i know we might disagree with it but i could have also just done with like just let these kids not like actually like have the a plot be ashley and craig and manny working out their shit and the b plot is just what the fuck is everybody else doing at this time i would have loved to see that i would have loved to see anything but what we got so let's get to it shall we Sure. So, basically, the opening part of the episode, we don't get the snowball fight. What we do get, which is interesting also to think about, because I watch it on YouTube on that Degrassi official channel, which means, yeah, which means that they are going off the U.S. airing. If the Wikipedia is not alive, then yes. But, like, I've heard of that happening, not not explicitly with these episodes, but... It's, like, kind of well-known that there are a lot of screwy things that have happened between the Canadian airing and the U.S. airing, and there have been scenes that have been deleted and things like that. So that's not... Yeah, yeah. That's not unfounded to me. Um, which is interesting. So that means that the YouTube channel is... I guess it... I don't know what its affiliation is necessarily, but it's interesting to think about how it is definitely that U.S.-based run of the episodes. So something to think about um but what we do get in the opening of this episode is basically the whole entire thing is a tree trimming party um so it's like very cliched christmas stuff and and that's the thing like this is a holiday episode it it's very half-assed in its attempts at talking about hanukkah kwanzaa literally any holiday that is not there's like one line about each thing. I think Toby says "Happy Hanukkah" once. I think that oh, like spoken word uh, Hazel and Paige are wearing cost or not costumes. Excuse me, uh, because Hazel's wearing a hijab. Yeah. And they're talking about Ramadan for a second, 
I'm not sure why Paige is wearing what she's wearing. I'm not aware of, like, what's going on at school that day. Like, we don't find anything out except that there's, like, a Christmas pageant kind of happening. Okay, so here's... So, I actually... I had a thought because, like, I was wondering, did Ramadan actually fall during the Christmas, like, during December? Yeah, during December. Of that year, because, um, you know, uh, it's... It, it changes every yeah, year. Yeah, it's, it well, goes on a different calendar. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, see, I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. Um, Recently, it's been in the summer, summer months for a lot of it. Yeah. And I was just like, hang on. And, like, I quickly looked it up. Ramadan of 2003, when this episode aired, mm-hmm. was no- October 26th to November 26th. And I do not oh want... Boy. I'm going to just call out the writers and make them think, or that they think, Ramadan is Muslim Christmas. <laughs> right? It's like... Ugh, that's a bit grim. Um, I'm not yeah. surprised. <laughs> Nothing will Although, them. you know, well, I'll still give them credit, though, for trying to represent additional cultures. Like, they could have just been Christmas, 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 Christmas. They got it wrong. And <laughs> maybe I'm trying to give them a little too much credit. But, like, at least are. remember, they go there. So, like... <laughs> They went there, and it wasn't exactly they where they should go, but they did go there, and that's something, I guess. Well, that that's the thing. Like we like on the Culture Day episode where Hazel was just unabashedly Islamophobic. We were mm-hmm. just like, give us a Ramadan like episode where Hazel is just like grouchy because she can't eat till the sun goes down. Or, and then, like, we also get to see Fariza again. <laughs> yeah, give Fariza, like, some fucking content. Jesus. So, yeah. you know. Maybe they maybe they realized, they heard you through the time-space continuum, and they were like, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll <laughs> fuck up this pod, we'll fuck up this podcast by adding Ramadan to Christmas. Well, we'll show him who we like. We'll show him who constantly maligns us and makes fun of our terrible writing decisions. Right. Um, and um, oh god, I wanted to make a joke. What's her name? What's the name of the actress who played? There it is Andrea Lewis. Is just like I have new memories. Why was I in a <laughs> job? <laughs> Why was I in a? Because he's actually just X Men. <laughs> Somebody like the Degrassi writer. The Degrassi writers' room is just X Men. They're just this, these episodes were their Dark Phoenix saga. Hang oh on. my god! <laughs> Hang on, writers: James Hirsch, Shelley Scarecrow, Aaron Martin. Shelley Scarecrow. Scarecrow. By the way, Kirsten's in the back, and I feel like listeners are gonna be like, "Why is there a live studio audience? It's Kirsten and two cats." <laughs> Kristen, could you go, ooh? <laughs> Thank you. But, like, when something happens scandalous, please. Oh, hell yeah. Aaron Martin, and wait a minute, there's a fourth writer, Kitty Pride. Oh, shit. She went, she went back in time, and not... Not again. Not Logan, like it, they did in the movie. Because it would have been way better, Kitty Pride. Oh, Ellen Page were gone, that, sh- that shit, sorry, that we were quick. 
That's true. And then you would be like, I'm, so. I'm bouncing from these movies. <laughs> um, um, we are derailed. So, like, so, so avoiding this episode. We're, 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 yeah, we've, we've derailed. <laughs> so, okay, so basically the plot is, is that uh, is Craig is dating Ashley, but then he kind of also dating Manny. Uh, He's hooking up. She's yeah. being, she's being very forward, even though she knows that Craig is dating Ashley and is just like, whatever. I want that, uh, which like I don't understand because Craig's literally the worst character on this show. That's not TJ. And... <laughs> okay, one JT. <laughs> whatever. That's how much I hate him. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, they set this up in the beginning of the episode, and the way that they set this whole entire thing up is that they do this whole entire tree trimming, and they show a lot of tropey shit about Christmas, and complete with, like, eggnog toasting, and hoping for many more Christmases looks at Snake, who currently has cancer, and, um, fucking... Oh, (laughs) and we better, you know, instead of giving somebody an actual personality that clashes with, like, the person they're dating, nope, we're just going to turn Sydney into, like, a shrew, essentially. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, like, the way that they kind of set up... So the whole entire thing, there's these two plots, right? We have Craig, the Craig-Ashley-Manny situation. That's situated because Ashley's at these festivities, it's really nice. Manny calls... And, you know, it's like, oh, Craig, I miss you. And, like, Craig is, like, awkwardly trying to cover it up and say that it's Spinner calling. Let me real quick put on my breathy voice. Yeah. Oh, I hate it. You're, like, oh, you're a child. I don't want to. Oh. Hey, Craig, how you doing? Stop! <laughs> I feel less weird about it because I was the same exact age that they're supposed to be, like, when it came out. So, like, and, like, I've always liked Manny. I thought she's a good character. I, think I like we her, too. We talked about this last time. Yeah. I, I thought... I, yeah, I think I think that, like, the things that happen to her in this show are fucking egregious. And, I agree. Uh, and, and, like, the writers really want to punish her for being uh, herself. Yeah. And they do that constantly. And this is another episode where, like, Manny just, just, that's... The, the shortest end of the shortest stick. Like, and it sucks, and I hate it. But yeah. also, so does Ashley. Craig's the worst. Like, to get back to my thesis statement here. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, so they set up that shit, and then they're also setting up the issues of the A-plot. So, like, the, I I don't know. I know, like, I feel like it's, it can be easily debated which is the A-plot and the B-plot. The A-plot, I consider the A-plot the Joey, Caitlin, Sydney bullshit because it takes up most of the episode. It's like so much of this. Yeah, episode. so much. But and like, it is foreshadowing to what happens to the kids later. Spoiler alert. Yeah. If you know what happens to Joey and Caitlin, like if you're aware. Uh, so Frank, I don't know if you've watched any of the original DeGrassi, nope. but if you were aware of their relationship before, and they end up talking about, like, so Joey says in this episode, and this is in part two, so we're. In, kind of jumping out of order here, but yeah. in part two, he talks about how he cheated on Caitlin with, so with Tessa Campanelli, mad. who's not like a random character. She's, no. a, she's a character because Degrassi is very intentional about that shit. And so it's a, we as the viewers know things as, about that relationship um, that uh, do foreshadow things that happen in Next Generation. Um, 
This revisionist <laughs> bullshit on Donnie's the Joey face. Caitlin. Donnie's face. I know this is a podcast and nobody can see you, but you're getting so visibly angry. I hate Joey about, Caitlin. I hate Joey Caitlin. It's a 30-year-old show. Um, but, but also, but what's important is that what we know as a viewer, Joey never finds out about. Even in this episode, he doesn't know about that. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> I have so But it's many. interesting. It's, but, so it's interesting to see how, like, yes, cycles repeat. And yes, the writers probably think they're being very clever and being like, oh, look how this is just exactly like this other thing that happened before. Um, All this but, has happened before. Uh, All this will happen again. Yeah, basically, and like, you know, kind of history repeats itself kind of thing, because everybody just keeps being friends with the people they are friends with in seventh grade, but like, <laughs> uh, like, on some level, though, it is a soap opera, right? Like, it's a teen yeah. soap opera, so like, I guess that is kind of what you want from a show like this, you do yeah. want to be able to you yell at characters because you go, you should learn from this, like, you should be learning from this, like these characters still exist in your life so that you can learn things and, uh, and, uh, you know, but unfortunately it never goes the way that you, that, that, that's kind of planned out. No. So like I, you know, so the way that they kind of set this up is, you know, Caitlin has kind of come back into, and we've seen it in this season, Caitlin's kind of back into the fold and Joey, regardless of the feelings, you know, it's kind of, they clearly have chemistry. At least we want to believe they have chemistry. The writers want you to believe they have chemistry. I hate Joey Caitlin. Anyway, um. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind it. I think it works. Honestly, I like it better than Joey Sydney. Yeah, I I just man, I I've only watched the original series once, but it it left a mark on me. Man, <laughs> wow! Now that Sydney actually has lines, she sure is annoying, right, audience? Yeah. So like with her, the way that they kind of set up the issues with Sydney at the beginning of this episode is that they portray her in a way that she's very particular and they kind of set it up specifically in the way that she's looking at the tree and she's talking about how you need how um, like kind of the tree topper needs to be tilted a little bit because the tree looks a little like sparse in places. There's too many lights in one section. To be fair, I'm the same fucking way when you trim a tree near me. But um. So, like, everyone just kind of angling her as this party pooper because she has opinions about how the tree has been decorated. Here is my problem always with plot lines like this. It's yeah. just, like, if these people have dated for a significant amount of time, you know this is what this person's about. So why is this coming as a surprise and sudden deal breaker? You know what's happening. That's the thing. Like, I feel like the it's very abrupt... And this is where, like, even though I don't necessarily think Joey and Sydney are a great couple, it's very hard for me to kind of buy a lot of this episode. Because like you said, like, they've been together for a while at this point. I get having it be one of these things where Joey is becoming exhausted by how particular she is. But it's more like, it's almost like a revelation to him how particular she is. Yeah. Like, he, he constantly has a But it's also... Yes? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, I, but that's because grassy logic is like based on fate. <laughs> uh, no, 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 I'm not no, no. This does sound crazy. No, it does I'm sound not crazy, but, but like she's from outside the original group. She can't be anything. Like she's she's like almost not allowed to be. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's no there's like never a, a case where like 
outside characters are allowed to be something for even in next generation when characters can kind of come in for a minute or something like they don't get significant plot lines they don't really get to stick around for very long because they're usually only there to serve the purpose of the story so Mm -hmm. degrassi is like very about like oh these people are still friends because they're like fated to be together uh, people come back into their lives and show back up your know, guest appearances from characters because they're supposed to be together. They're, they're drawn together. Yeah. Um, uh, they're, they're, it's, the, it's the curse of, of Degrassi Street. Uh, uh, you know, like, uh, so it's, I, I do think it's very interesting that we don't really know that much about Sydney. And then as soon as Caitlin's like back, suddenly she becomes like a villain almost. She's a character that you can't really like because the writers themselves probably remember Caitlin and Joey from the first time around and go, yeah, all right, well, that's supposed to happen. So, you know, uh, all this has happened before and it will happen again. (laughs) No, I think there's a lot of truth to what you say because I think that the writers fully, like fully romanticize that idea to a point that I don't think they gave many of these newer characters a shot because Degrassi, the next generation, really struggles with this. I would argue a lot of Degrassi entities struggle with this, but Degrassi, the next generation, I think because it was so formative for me, I really remember this, where it feels like a lot of love interests were put on and then the writers would do this hand wave excuse why they would disappear a couple of episodes. They'd be like, oh, it's not really working. Oh, this character doesn't really have any chemistry. Oh, like, whatever. But I think a lot of the time with... Yeah, because, there's a... There's, yeah. No, no, finish. I'm okay. Because, like, it just... It I seemed, think you're about to say the thing I'm going to yeah, say. It, it felt a lot like they weren't giving, at least as a viewer, it didn't feel like I even had a chance to get to know the character other than the fact that, like, Emma has a crush on them. You know, I don't know. Paige has a crush on them. Like, that's kind of all I was able to find out about them. And then, like, they're introduced... It's like a moment, they're in it for like five episodes, and then they go into the black hole and never return again. Yeah, and you and you can't even remember anything about them because exactly. they're so underwritten, even in their appearances. And not to skip ahead, uh, but but I know that you watched an episode for, uh, ahead of us, uh, Frank, right? Yep. So you met Chris already. Oh, yeah, well, We met Chris. Actually, Chris appears a couple times earlier in the season. He, he does. I'm not he saying he's got up, development. But he, like, doesn't really do anything. No. And then he starts to get some plot, but he'll be gone, or, you know, he may be gone just as quickly as he came. You don't remember him as a core Degrassi person, is what no. mostly what I'm talking about. I you forgot. You know, in the, in the way that you remember other characters. I utterly forgot Me too. about Chris. I just, like, I was, remember, but, I was researching this season. I was like, oh, fuck. I forgot. <laughs> with good reason, apparently, because, oof, some of the episodes I we have had to watch with him in it have been yeah. horrific. I don't hesitate saying horrific. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, he's, just, he's, just, he's just super boring, and Emma's already kind of boring, so when you couple her with a boring character, it's not great. Um, to get back to Craig being terrible, <laughs> some things... No, so wait, so things that I actually like about these episodes, though, I love Drake having to, to for some reason, reading uh, A Christmas Carol with a British accent. That's Literally like no so reason for far it. ahead. It's like, it's like, you're grasping. It's like, what is that one moment? That one fucking moment. Thank you, Drake. That's really good. 
the most ridiculous moment was uh, Spinner gets Spinner doesn't understand why. Oh, so obviously the most infuriating exchange of the whole the whole two episodes is Spinner uh, uh, celebrating Craig for dating two girls at the same time. Yeah, let's. I want to unpack that once we kind of get to that piece because I there's elements of the casting or like the cast that is at play in this episodes that confuse or frustrate not even confuse me they just frustrate me because what ends up happening what do you mean? I I'll talk about it in a little bit so like we have all these cliched trimming things happening um and we you know everyone's having this whole festivity um there's this really gratuitous scene in which Joey and Sydney kiss, and then Caitlin's in the back, like, this really, like, you know, contrived kind of shot, like, her watching in the distance as they kiss. Um, I've been here for multiple birthdays and anniversaries and whatnot, but I've never seen this happen. Right. It's like, she's stunned that they have intimacy together. <laughs> um, and Sydney... How uh, dare they, honestly. <laughs> right. Um, the audacity. <laughs> but, um... There's, like, a lot of that type of stuff. Sydney is kind of showing how she has become a part of this family, but also some of the drawbacks of her presence in the family, specifically, like, how she... Like, there's a scene where she's made, like, Angie's entire ice skating pageant outfit. Um, and it looks really nice, I guess, for ice skating pageant standards. Um, but she's not able to I'm gonna go... Put, I'm going to push back on that and yeah. say... It kind of looks like shit, because it looks exactly like all the other kids' ice skating outfits. It's not that special. She gets real uh, snippy about it later on in the episode, and I'm like, ah, whatever. It's not even dirty, one. And two, it looks the same as the other ones. And three, the pageant already happened. <laughs> yeah, that's like, so the shrewdness... Uh, that's like how the shrewdness kind of gets in, but they, they really set it in by it's like, oh, she took the... This was the part that also, like... The thing about Sydney is, like, I don't disagree, once again, I don't disagree that Joey and Sydney are, like, not necessarily the most compatible couple, but the way that they portray her as shrewd is she took the time to sew the outfit, regardless of the quality of it, but she isn't going to the pageant because of nebulous work commitments. And you know, it's like, we're supposed to think that she's this horrible person, even though she already contributed toward making the ice skating pageant possible. It's like how you're supposed to think the mom is the bad guy at the beginning of Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Um, and Except that it's Sally Field and she can do no wrong. She did do Man of Steel. <laughs> um, I, said I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Like, I would defect to the hill of I will, <laughs> the, I will Sally Field can do no wrong hill to die on. <laughs> anyway, like. I, 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 I will die in a Sally Field. <laughs> All right, close down the podcast. We're done. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> I'm nothing can stop. <laughs> nothing um, can stop this. So yeah, so Sydney can take her stupid kindness and thoughtfulness and go to hell. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like it's very odd because it's like it, it, it. Not only is it like oh, this is like out of the blue. She's an outsider. Blah blah blah. And like you know, we're supposed to like not like her because she's an outsider. But it's just like. It just feels like this is not the way to get me against her. And that was kind of the thing. It's like, for all of my 
gripes with especially how Sydney handles certain situations I couldn't hate her because it just felt like she was being pushed into a plot device and not so much this is a character who is kind of an antagonistic force it just kind of felt like she could have had any personality prior to this she could have been any kind of person but they needed her to be be the reason why Joey is going to gravitate more toward Caitlyn and it like doesn't matter it's just like it I mean, this is this is still a show essentially for teens and and you know young adults and tweens, I guess. But it's like I get I I feel like this is one of those things where we're just like, oh, we'll make her like a mean mom, yeah, to try and get like the kids against her, and like I. Especially because Caitlin is well, not the best at handling children. <laughs> it's like. It's like, do you want to have a rowdy time, or do you want to have rules? Well, that, I mean, that's the whole point of Mrs. Sapphire. I mean, yeah, like, that's true. Sometimes I, you need both. Yeah. You know. But we don't get to I that think, conclusion. I, I think also, I too, it's just, you know, uh, <laughs> I, it's not that I don't like, it, it's annoying because it's showing that the writers just want you to like Joey. Yeah. They want him to seem like they, like he did nothing wrong. Fuck you know, that. He was pushed to it, obviously. Oh, but that. he doesn't actually seem that put off by Sydney's behavior at any point. No. no. Only time really being when she kind of gets mad at Caitlin when she's babysitting, even though she went out of her way to ask her to babysit when she could have gone out of her way to not ask her like yeah. it feels like it feels like there was somebody in the room that went well we should have her like try and like be like hey this person's important to you they're in our lives so i'm going to involve them and like our kid already knows them and so you know whatever like obviously i'm i can't get rid of them so mm -hmm. let's be friends. And then they just were like, yeah, but next scene we do need her to be a bitch. So, um, that, yeah. and it's so weird. It's such a, it's such like a, a, a split, like, a, like she almost feels like two completely different characters, in almost back to back scenes. I agree. And that's when you're just like, Whoa, what is this? I agree. And there's like parts of it that I actually, I, I, I get and I see the issues that can occur with Sydney and Joey together, but a lot of the time I was watching the episode and I was just like, it feels like a lot of the issues that they have could easily be resolved in an adult, like, adult relationship. They would just have to communicate stuff and set boundaries a lot of the time. And that's literally, like, all they would have to do, and I actually think the coupling would not be an awful one, because it's like... Joey is a little idealistic at times and has his head in the clouds and, you know, doesn't always think realistically and Sydney seems to be way more pragmatic. And that combination is actually not a bad one at all. They actually, they, um, got, like, they talk about this on, um, on Modern Family. Yeah, the Dreamers and the, I forget... You referenced it on the podcast once. Yeah, on, like, Dreamers and Rocks. Like, the Dreamers, like, need the rocks to keep them, you know, keep them from flying too high, while the, like, the rocks need the Dreamers to fly. Like... It could be that coupling, but, yeah. like, it's contradictive in the way that it's portrayed so much. Like, it would have been just, like, what, wouldn't it have been just such... 
uh, this is uh, like this is the the writer coming out where I'm just like, wouldn't it have been so much better to show like have Joey like come to a decision where he's like, I don't actually want to be with Sydney. He sits down with Sydney. They have a discussion about this as adults, and Craig's just like, oh. I've been doing this terribly wrong the entire time. Yeah, and Craig would have maybe learned a lesson. <laughs> yeah. Be still my heart. Yeah, like, yeah, and it's just like, or hey. even to have Joey talk to somebody he grew up with, I don't know. He can talk to Spike or Snake or Oh, you mean any the people of the at his fucking party? Interesting. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, it, like, it seems very weird. It, like, that's where... These plots are almost exactly the same in that if there was some communication, obviously that would be the thing that would uh, fix everything, right? Yeah. Uh, Sydney, Sydney being able to say to Joey, even if, he, if he's not going to take, because she's so pragmatic, being able to say, hey, I feel weird about this. Can we talk about it? Mm-hmm. And Joey then having to confront it. Honestly, I think that the best way that this goes, because I don't think that, I mean... I don't care as much about the couplings of all the adults uh, because I didn't grow up with the original Degrassi. So they're just kind of like, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess you guys have history. And then I rewatched the older stuff. But like, if Sydney kind of came to the decision of, we can't keep doing this because mm-hmm. you're not all here. I'm going to go. That would have been like, whoa, Sydney really gets a, like a moment to, 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 to have some ownership over over this decision, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and instead of it being, she doesn't ever have to find out that they kissed. It doesn't have to be about that, you know. It can yeah. be about the fact that Joey's a giant baby, essentially. <laughs> you know, he's not bad with the kid, and he's a nice guy, but he's like not. Uh, he's not. They're not on the same level as like adults, you know. And then for him to talk to Craig about it and just be like. Yeah, no, this is what happened. Like, we, we, whatever. And Craig to be like, well, this is what I'm dealing with. What should I do? Mm-hmm. You know, I get that that's like maybe not good TV. I don't um, think it's not, though. I, I think it can be done. I think you have to be really good at your d- writing dialogue. I think you need to be re- <laughs> something Degrassi's not. Um, I think you have to be, you know, make your characterization really, really strong. I'm not saying it's easy, but I do think it can be an interesting. Thing. And I think that you can have a dramatic scene. Sydney going and straight up saying, like, I don't think this is going to work can be uh-huh. a really dramatic and emotional scene, especially because Joey always is scrambling toward hanging out to his He past. does care, and he yeah. does care about her. Yeah, he cares, and he's somebody who hates change to a certain extent. We've seen him be unable to let go of things and let go of his routines and let go of his his old passions and stuff. So, like, that could have been really moving and really gripping, too. And, and I think also, too, because it makes the storylines... Oh, real quick, I'm sorry. Is, is because it makes both Joey and Craig's storylines about loss then, right? Yeah. Neither of them want to lose. They're two characters that don't want to lose, right? Mm-hmm. So if Sydney says, hey, I'm out, and then Craig is trying to make a decision, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's, boy, can we go back in time? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, just, like, I just think about, like, if this had ended amicably, 
And, like, Sydney's like, look, but, like, Craig and you and Angie have all become a part of my life. Like, can we still be friends? It's going to suck for a bit as mm-hmm. I get to used to you and Caitlin together, but, like, I don't want to lose this. Yeah, and, like, that's the other thing. It's, like, regardless of the issues in the relationship, Joey felt comfortable enough introducing Sydney to his family. Yeah. And have Christmas with her and, and do those types of things with her. So, like, they they were serious enough, regardless of everything. They were serious enough that she was a part of their holiday traditions. And Angie was close with her. And then you could have just turned Sydney into the, essentially, the author surrogate for those who hadn't watched the original Degrassi. Oh, that would have been really good. And, like, so yeah. when something happened... Like, Sydney's just like, what's, what's going on between those two? You're like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> um, excuse me? Who, who's this wheels person? Oh, wait, he's never coming back? Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> okay, put that in my notebook. Um, but yeah, like, instead of this weird contradictive character, because um, when we go to the ice skating recital... We're not even, like, three minutes into I this know, episode. I'm trying really hard here. I am going to try my best to help us through this. Um... So, like, she's not at the recital. Um, Craig is, like, taking pictures. And Joey is, like, requesting doubles. So, um, I think... So, um, Sydney can look at them, get them and things like that. Um, I absolutely love the fact... Yeah, Craig, Craig, Craig makes the, what are you already married kind of kind of comment. Yeah, yeah. I love the fact that Angie is wearing a dumb star. Yeah, she's, like, this little collar. Like, <laughs> so she's funny. a lion. <laughs> well, no, no, she's the star. Isn't she the star? Yeah, the she is the star, but it looked like a lion to me. And apparently, all she does is twirl in a circle. It's amazing. It's not <laughs> even ice skating. She does so well. Okay, so you know who can also do no wrong? Uh, Pierce, Angie. It's true. And like now, I'm just imagining Sally Field. It's basically, the Sally Field of Degrassi. Yeah, <laughs> like Sally Field giving Angie a piggyback ride. Through a Sally Field. That's amazing. Oh, thank God. Um, um, although, except when that kid has to say a line. Like, when, when she has to be like, My costume! It's so great! Thank you! It's like, it was like, it feels like it took them like an hour and a half to get that, and, and she was just not there for it. She does. She does kind of have that sort of way in her delivery. If only she was animated. Well, just like, like most kids are terrible actors. Yeah, yeah. It's and true. some kids are especially bad actors, considering the kids that they let star in this show. <laughs> okay, well, well so you just... can't imagine that they get younger, they get better. Like that's not a thing. <laughs> But, <laughs> well, I just want to like, I just want to clarify my statement. If only she was animated, because like then she'd be voiced by an adult who knows yeah, how to act, right? <laughs> like Nanako from it would, Persona. It would 4. actually be John Mulaney. Yeah, yeah, you know. John Mulaney is Angie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so she's she's like doing her little twirling shit. Very small, and I have no money, and things are really hard right now. <laughs> My dad made out with his ex girlfriend. <laughs> um, Imagine the stress I'm under. Um, so, so, um, you know, Craig and Joey have a brief exchange, and this is another 
thing, because, like, Joey is, like, he's not gonna propose, like, immediately to Sydney, but it looks like it's within a realistic thing for him. He we're, seems pretty... We're waiting for either the birthday or the holiday. Yeah, it comes off a lot like that. Like, he seems pretty, like, he's pretty pumped on being with Sydney. Um, okay, have, just a quick interjection, like, how many times have you been like, okay... I'm put putting bets on this person getting engaged on Valentine's Day. Or New Year's. Or, like... Okay, this is gonna sound really grim. I don't know that many people in, like, extended committed relationships. Meh. So, I, I don't... Also, play that game. Joey's like a... Joey's like a, the gold retriever of humans. <laughs> he's, he's literally a character who is excited to be with whoever is right in front of him and paying attention to him. That's correct. Like, that's why he sucks. <laughs> he doesn't... Like, like he, he doesn't... When, when Caitlin kisses him, he doesn't really pull away. No! He just kind of, like... He kind of, like, looks at her like she just threw the ball... Like, she just threw a ball, but he knew she didn't really throw it. Fuck! I'm dying because this is yes. I think this is why he irritates me so much. But um, Caitlin. What's all going on, Chambers? <laughs> I don't know. It's not that. It's just Joey. Just he doesn't have emotional depth. He's never it's, had emotional. It's not depth. a good quality in a human. <laughs> no, no, no. It's great in a golden retriever. Trust me, I love golden retrievers. I do not it's love. Great in a golden retriever. <laughs> okay. Anyway, moving on. Caitlin. Um, Caitlin comes in late. And she's, like, talking really loudly. Like, typical Caitlyn fashion. That's the thing. Like, I actually quite like Caitlyn. Oh, I love Caitlyn. I hate Caitlyn with Joey. I will stand by that. I've stood by that for years at this point. Caitlyn just kind of like, ah, yeah, yeah, hi, what's up? Um, and as she's kind of... Honestly, blunt, I thought when Sydney went to her office, I was like, oh, okay, twist. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Hey, what happened? Especially when, uh, especially when she's like, well, the guys at my office aren't this hot. And she's like, well, that's my uh, boss and he's gay. And Sydney's like, oh. Honestly, that's what... I that's like, what oh, the, okay. That's Cold, what close this, the door. Yeah, right? Like, that's what this episode should have fucking been. I feel like a lot... I feel like a lot of me watching this... This time around watching Degrassi, I'm realizing how much these women in Degrassi should be pursuing each other. It's just, like, how many of them... 100%. How many... Like, just imagine Ashley with a girlfriend. Uh, Ashley with Ellie. Ashley with Terry. Like... Just how many... How Buck Craig, many... Ashley and Manny, power couple. Ooh, yes. I'm into that. I like that because it has, like, that very early aughts, like, prep versus goth kind of vibe, which I'm very into. Yeah. I like it. It's okay. You don't have to love everything. I just want Ashley to have a girlfriend desperately. Yeah, like me too. Well, wait, 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 wait. Though that would solve the Paige Ellie problem. Yes, yes. See, Frank's very into Paige Ellie, which I found out there's only like two fix on AO3. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I definitely barely. How is that even a thing, Frank? What are you talking about? You gotta that watch Whisper to a Scream. Yeah, and at the. Uh. <laughs> At the end of Whisper to a Scream, um, when it's revealed, uh, yeah, Ellie's been cutting, like, Paige is the one, like, to help get her help, and I was just like, go on, go, go, like, become a couple. Fuck Spinner. <laughs> <laughs> True. 
Uh, um, but, um, especially after what's about to happen. Let's yeah, keep it going. Let's keep going. So Craig, so, Craig sees, Craig is like on the camera. He's just zooming in on Manny. who's apparently teaching these children. Um, and he's like, Oh, and he's like, I gotta go. Um, who, Angie's still performing. You asshole. Like, it's your damn sister. She is still spinning in a damn circle. Performing's a strong word for what she's doing. Okay. <laughs> okay, we can't keep... Okay, can we please... We, there's so much to talk about in this episode. Can we put a moratorium on... I'm gonna keep on... dragging the seven-year-old. <laughs> um, she's probably not even seven. She's like five years old. Yeah. I... Okay, comedy is punching up, not punching down at five-year-olds, okay? <laughs> so... Listen. Even if I was punching up, I'd have to punch down. She's five, and I'm very tall. <laughs> um, so, so, Craig skedaddles, and as he skedaddles, Joey's like, Ooh, I miss, I wish Cindy was here, and Caitlin's kind of really snide about it. Meanwhile, Manny um, is talking to the kids and is like, I, oh, you guys did so well. Here's popcorn. <laughs> And then she's just Is like, that what she gives them? I, I have no so. idea what it was. I, I assumed popcorn. I could be wrong. She She's clearly bribing these children. Chris got you so many toys. Play with those. They're probably underneath the, the futon. Sorry. Dahlia's trying to... Everybody, they're talking about the cats now, <laughs> not the children. <laughs> <laughs> it's sometimes hard to tell. Um, But anyway, so... Manny is like, oh, you guys did so well. Sees Craig. Okay, go away. Go away so I can kiss Craig. <laughs> aggressively. There's like yeah. a lot of aggressive making out. Well, they aggressively made out and like were grinding in an episode in a club. It was foul. So they, like, they I'm were, not surprised. Their relationship is almost purely physical. It, it really we, is. And it makes me uncomfortable. There is like no actual like discussions that we've seen between these two no it's basically like just it's like, manny talking at craig and then them making out yeah and that's it so uh craig plays like one chord on guitar and she's like <laughs> all right let's do this i mean that is literally what happened <laughs> but yeah so like they yeah. kiss and craig's like meet me in my garage and then like oh yeah Pure romantic, this one. Meet yeah. me in the garage. You meet me in my cold, nasty-ass garage, baby. He better have cleaned up I, I gotta say, I'm gonna defend Greg, uh, Craig here. Greg. Uh, Greg. Anyway, um, I'm gonna defend Craig here that when you're 15 years old and you're trying to date somebody or whatever, you don't know. You I mean, don't. You, I, th- I would hope that I ever thought to make sure that it was warm wherever I was trying to hang out with somebody. Uh, which he clearly doesn't care about. No. But um, I definitely there. There were definitely times where I'd have like a, a, somebody I was dating come over, and then I'd just play video games. Well, he's already. He's also that's done it. that. Like, <laughs> that's what I mean, though. Like, I don't know. I think you're like a little dumb when you're 15. So I'm gonna you give are. Craig like this. Uh, I hate him. But I'm gonna give him a slight benefit of a doubt here, that's and I'm gonna say, me... Craig, I get, I get why that's your move. Hopefully, somebody will tell you not to do that. Let me yeah. just move these cheese whiz empties out of the way. Ugh. Well, speaking of cheese whiz, guess who's there? Spinner kind of leaves a mess. <laughs> oh, oh God! Anyways, Spinner is here. Um. What is it? Like, Kendra's doing some sort of... Kendra sport number five. Ice skating. <laughs> okay, so we have field hockey, floor hockey, basketball, soccer, synchronized skating, 
Is am I, I feel for... like she also does cross country, but I might be making that up. Chess. Chess. She does everything. Yeah. Like, I love this anime. Yeah, it looks good on looks good on college applications. I don't even though. think she Hell yeah. I don't even think she cares about that. I think she just loves sports. She likes sports. She's she's she she's a jock anime person. Chess is not a Chess isn't a sport. It's a mental sport. And <laughs> I would have loved a scene where she just looks at Toby and says, I'm dumping you for my true love. And like she just looks to the left. And Bobby she, Knight. Who? <laughs> and she just looks to her left and it's just a big poster that just says sports. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so Spinner's there um, and he sees the canoodling between Craig and Manny. And Manny's just like, I gotta go. Um, and Spinner is just like, he's like explaining... Yeah, right. But, like, he's really funny about it. I, this is where Spinner was actually funny, because he's like, oh, yeah, I'm here because of my sister and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, wait, why am I explaining that to you? Like, he's like, yeah. wait a second, I didn't fuck up for I, once. I did admittedly, I did just, like, I did, like, the pan over to Spinner. and just like, who's the worst person that could see me right now? Oh, fuck, it's Spinner. Right. Um, and then Spinner, of course, once Manny leaves, is like, oh, yeah, you're a stud, yeah. Because, like, of course, the only, like, male companion for Craig in this whole fucking episode is just Spinner gassing him up for doing horrible things. Marco would have... Marco, Marco would have... Dressed him down. Yeah. I literally had that same thought as you were saying this. I was like, if Marco was here, except in my head I called him Adam. Uh, <laughs> That's fair because... I guess this is his actual name. It's Adamo, yeah, but, so yeah. Yeah, no, Marco would have really shown him what for. Marco would have been fucking pissed because Marco, ha- Marco has like friendships involved in that case with, with he's like, like, he would just be mad. And, and like, he's also the one who is trying to like... Doing the thankless job of trying to get, like grow these boys' emotional like maturity, and yeah. it's just like, yeah, Marco, you're Don Quixoteing a pretty large windmill, <laughs> right? Like it's it's yeah. So like it's like I guess like if if Marco was there, he would be a voice of reason, and then we wouldn't have much point of a plot. But I wish he was in this episode, aside from playing his little accordion. So Spinner, like, I wish this whole episode was just, like, they occasionally cut back to Craig, Manny, and Ashley working through their bullshit, and we got to see holidays in all the other homes. Yeah. Like, where is Marco in the Seven Fishes? True. I don't know what Also, means. Marco really? doesn't play accordion. Yeah. He does play accordion. I want more of him playing accordion. Uh, I want him I'm to- against it. Okay, fine. Whatever. You can be against it. That's fair. I don't know. Marco, I think he would play a much cooler instrument. Well, he, he plays. He plays a uh, guitar. He plays guitar. Yeah. Or, bass. or no, he plays bass. He's a bass player. He, he he's basically he's basically like young Tim Casher, except way less shitty. <laughs> there we go. Like Tim Casher plays accordion. I have a I. We had a friend so, so who did. Tim Casher, but gay and without a hard on for uh, Charles Bukowski. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. thus making him. Oh, Feast of the Seven Fishes? Yeah, Feast of the Seven Fishes. I want Marco doing the Feast of the Seven Fishes. Yeah. I want Marco explaining the Feast of the Seven Fishes to Dylan. I want I want all of this now. Anyway. Um, yeah, we never did this in my household. <laughs> really? Um, I had to suffer instead with Spinner being around because Spinner has to try and explain to Craig that Ashley is like fine champagne and Manny is like very hot ice cream. 
Oh, yeah. I, like ice cream, but very hot. I wanted to die. I, like, through all the mess... He's very dumb. Yeah, He's so dumb. Through all the mess, I did like the one thing where he backhandedly, weirdly says he's in love with Paige, where he's like, I already got Paige, and I know, you know, she's the one. Yeah, well, it's really weird, because he's like, oh, yeah, well, Craig, you're just sampling, and I'm like, he's been in a committed, I thought committed, relationship with Ashley. There's not much sampling happening here. It's not like he was dating and, like, you know, had two dates with Ashley and then one date with Manny. Like, that's not what's happening here, buddy. Like, we're not talking about, like, you know, he's not committed to anyone. Like, he's in a committed relationship. Spinner, you're a fucking dumbass. But also, Craig, why are you seeking advice from Spinner? Because, like, that is just a, a, you know, a road going nowhere. But really, Yeah, let's start with the first fact about him. His name is Spinner. <laughs> right? That's what people call him. You know, uh, if, if, you're, what? if you're willing to take advice from Spinner, you're the same person who looked at Jaw Rule and that idiot who put on the fire vest and be like, I have faith in those two. But also, I think the thing is also... With I mean, those lips, those eyes, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. But I think I think also Craig isn't necessarily looking for advice. And I think that's kind of the big thing throughout this. Like, he's just trying to find validation for what he's doing. And Spinner ultimately gives it to him. And that's probably why we don't see Marco and we don't see Jimmy, who also would probably be like, uh, I don't know, that's kind of weird. Because those characters would actually give him advice, as opposed to Spinner, who's so fucking... Dumb. Dumb. He would just be like, yeah, sounds good. He doesn't want advice, he wants permission. No, exactly. And that's what he wants, because, like, you know, afterwards, you know, Craig's like, yeah, I do get around, don't I? (laughs) And it's like, no, you you literally were just... Like, Spinner was the best person to catch you doing that shit, because Spinner doesn't give a shit. Spinner just, like, you know, is gonna live vicariously through you. And that's just how it's going to be. And this show isn't smart enough to have, like, Paige find out that Spinner did this. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because that would just be... Oh, I would love to see that scene. (laughs) The tirade. Just, like, the slow turn of her, like, eyes just cold and fury. (laughs) I wish. There's so much I wish. Um, But unfortunately, this cast is relatively limited to all of the people who are, like, feeding into the machine, as opposed to, like, people who are trying to stop either of these trains happening, both on the A-plot and the B-plot. Because what happens next is Caitlin is hanging out at Joey's, and Sydney hasn't arrived yet. And she's just kind of like, oh, where is she? Um... And, you know, they kind of talk a little bit, and Caitlin starts admitting that, you know, her job is super sweet, but she's really lonely, Um, and they start, like, getting closer, the space between them is kind of, like, you know, getting smaller and smaller, and as they look like they are going to, like, you know, as, you know, whatever, eventually Joey burns his hand. Um, And, of course, as Caitlin bullshits her way through burn first aid, um, her hands are on Joey's as Sydney walks in. Um, and of course, Sydney and Caitlin have this really tense exchange about burn care, which is like, like Caitlin being like, oh, put it under like cold water. And Sydney's like, no, <laughs> you don't do that. It's homeopathic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I know this is a very, unfortunately, a very modern thing. 
like, or fortunately, that that happened earlier, but she's just like, you know what, I don't think we should get Angie vaccinated anymore. And Joey's just like, ah, there's my out. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Um, It's just like, it's just so, like, once again, they're trying to set up this, and I actually didn't mind this example of tension. This was, like, fine to me in the sense that Sydney was uncomfortable and she kind of wanted to pick a fight almost, but she wasn't didn't necessarily have the evidence to really pick it. It's it's a little passive aggressive, but I would have been I would have been more fine with Sydney being the super passive aggressive character because she felt threatened by Caitlyn, and then they kind of worked it out or didn't work it out. Then so, I didn't feel like it was that passive. Like I felt like Sydney immediately jumped oh, to straight up. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty aggressive. Well, like, this reminded me a lot of the Month of Lifetime movies. <laughs> I watched where like the thing the thing that makes a lifetime movie is you take a normal situation and then just think like okay what's the most like what's the most extreme reaction somebody could have to the situation and that's what you write like and that's what this felt like this felt like a weird anime thing where somebody's yeah. immediate like you know she like just punches Joey through the roof and he goes spinning and because a little star yeah in the distance. And, like, it just feels like so much like a better writing if she's just like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, oh, Joey, like, burned his hand. And, like, they kind of build towards, like, oh, do this or do that, as opposed to just, like, oh, you're touching... <laughs> Sydney's basic rationale is just like, oh, my God, you touched hands with another woman! <laughs> I mean... Well, and I think that that's, like, the soap opera side of Degrassi, right? Yeah. Like, it is a teen soap opera, and, and, and that's, like, this that's similar to those, like, anime dynamics, too, right? Yeah. It's, like, what's the most outsized reaction that you can have to a thing? And I think what's frustrating about Degrassi, though, is that it tries to pretend it's not like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. it tries to, to, to convince you, like, this is real, like, this is how it actually happened. Like... And instead of like generations of uh, where where you know all the new characters are the are exactly the children of all the old characters or whatever, it's just sort of these new. It's like a school setting, so whatever you can just have a bunch of random characters and it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, there's like multiple points at which there's like room for a conversation that would fix both of these episodes and also probably make it all about five minutes long. That's also true. Um, I still think you can bring stuff out through this. Like, I do too. I think I think there is a story to be told in both plots. I think there is a story that can be told. The way that they decide to do it is absolutely miserable. It's just like like one of the like one of the things I think that's been coming out with the Me Too movement is also trying to write better characters, or better female characters, I should say, mm-hmm. where like. Brooklyn Nine-Nine did a whole episode about, like, being jealous. And, like, they ran through, like, a lot of the normal things. At the end of the episode, they're just like, hey, I was jealous, and I get it. It's an ugly, ugly emotion to have. Mm -hmm. But I still felt it. And, you know, like, you know, the main character, Amy, was just like, yeah, I get it. But, like, I'm in love with you. Like, we don't have to do this. So Yeah, I don't know. It's just, like, I feel like... Tropes are not a bad thing, but I do think that there are some what many writers would contain consider kind of mundane emotions or arcs. 
I don't actually find to be that mundane as long as the writers actually put some effort into it. Yeah. And this didn't really feel like much. Yeah, effort. totally. And that's just all there is to it. It just they're they're afraid of quiet. Like Yeah. Degrassi's terrified of quiet. They're, they're afraid if it's too small, people will get bored and wander away to something else. Degrassi hates quiet. So they love everything loud. I'm going to get some water. Yeah. Fair. Um, so, meanwhile, uh, Manny is waiting in the cold-ass garage as Craig arrives. Um, and, of course, it's like this really cliched exchange with Manny being like, oh, can you warm me up? I hate using this weird baby voice, but I feel like they, man, like Manny keeps delivering everything when near Craig in this weird, breathy voice. And, I don't know. It, it sucks. I don't know what else to say. Um... And, you know, they're making out, and then Manny kind of pauses the makeout session to show the gift that she got, uh, that she made for him, which is actually a hand-knitted scarf, um, and Craig seems pretty endeared by it. Um, and then, like, the progression goes from, like, here's a really nice gift I gave you. Also, I think you need to dump Ashley, um, and I've been patient. Like, that's how, and that's the thing, it's like, the way that they've kind of molded Manny in this story, it, it, turns her into this really antagonistic other woman type and it's like not i mean pierce i think you said it best like the writers really have it out for her and i don't yeah. know why she gets punished she gets punished yeah. always and, and no other character gets punished at the level that she gets punished and and also too like you know it, it sucks because i i think she's Okay, like, she knits a scarf. I don't think she knits anything ever again. No. Spoiler, sorry. But, like, uh, you know, like, like that shows, like, a level of, like, kind of thought that she just doesn't, they, they just gloss right over it. Although, at the same time, I have to imagine that Craig kind of makes her like this. Like, yeah. in the sense that, you know, when you're that young, when you have these relationships, you're sort of just reacting because everything's new, right? Mm -hmm. And and I'm pretty sure Craig doesn't have object permanence. No, no, he doesn't. <laughs> and, like, I think that this two-parter completely, like, like bears that out as well. Like, like, whichever girl's in front of him, he's just like, oh, yeah, that, <laughs> right? No, it's true. Like in his first episode, he was hitting on Paige. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know. Yeah, like, that's the, th like, this episode really wants us to, For I felt like it really wants us to sympathize with Craig, whereas I'm looking at that scarf and, like, that's, a, like, a six-month commitment. Yeah, well, the thing is with, with Manny is it's, like, this very sad narrative that speaks to how somebody really obsessed with, like, romance and the narrative of romance can be punished by society, basically, for it. Because that's the thing. It's like, Manny isn't necessarily in this for... I feel like they want her to be this weird kind of sex kitten type, but that's ultimately not what Manny really wants. Manny wants a relationship. She wants love. She wants to be loved. And she just keeps <laughs> getting punished for it through the way that men see her and treat her. And the words of, um... Liz Fair, Manny wants all that stupid old shit, like letters and sodas. She does, though. She does. Yeah, she does. She really, truly she's does. Also, she's also, uh, you know, uh, uh, mid-aughts 
fashion really not Ugh. doing her any favors on that on that either it really does those, and, uh, those low-rise jeans are just ugh. Well, that was the thing why was that a thing for so long why we, was that a thing for so long we've talked on the podcast about them and how really uncomfortable they were to wear like incredibly Should, uncomfortable oh my god hey i'm right there with you and also and also like that should be illegal that should have been illegal for for 14 year old girls it was just like <laughs> it was so uncomfortable and like it, it would have been amazing if they went the opposite way where like manny didn't understand anything about dressing like sexy and she's just like giant jenko jeans this is the sexiest <laughs> thing ever that that would be incredible also i definitely knew more 14 year olds that wore giant jinko jeans than anything else <laughs> I was kind of like when i was when i was 14 I mean. she's like i can i can crawl up through the pant leg to put them on <laughs> <laughs> um, there there are so many pockets <laughs> I, I can store my entire locker on my person that reminds me of the one time i put on trip pants because my friend wore, wore them a lot i put them on like almost as a joke and my the pants fell like, that's how heavy and big those pants are. Like, I put them on, and I was like, ha oh, look at me, I look like Casey, and then just, like, like, my whole, I was just like, oh. <laughs> anyway, she wants, um, Manny wants the, uh, present of Ashley's emotional destruction. Yeah, and, like, Craig's like, well, I can't make that choice, and then she goes, well, I think you just did. Um, and that whole bullshit. Nice. Kristen, yeah. if you want. Thank you, Peanut Gallery. That was one of the cats, right? Yeah, the cats did that. That was Basil. She's a woman of few words. Very, very vocal. Very vocal. She is. She's very talented. Um, so the next scene we have, we have the school setting up for holidays around the world festival, which is why we, are we have. Still in? Are we still in part one? Yeah, we are. We're gonna. Pa- I'm gonna power through oh this. Okay, God. guys, try and keep up. So, we have this whole entire thing, Holidays Around the World Festival. Ashley and Craig are practicing a duet. Um, of course, Manny, cue Manny passing by and a string snaps on Craig. Uh, when that happened, I just said out loud, I did that with my mind, Craig. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, and, like, Craig, like, just starts, like, kind of just freaking out. He, like, tries to put the guitar down. It falls. And it's, like, all because Manny passes by. Because Manny has mind powers. Right. And, like, Ashley's like, what the fuck is happening? I told Um, you, this is basically just Dark Phoenix Saga. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Caitlin is at the studio. Sydney kind of materializes with some poinsettias. Like, it's really odd. Um, And then, like, you know, there's, like... This, like, kind of, I don't know, it's just, like, there's some bullshit fake snow in the window. There's a lot of fake snow in this episode. They just keep piling it on, like, the whole episode. It starts with, like, there's, like, grass, and then, like, by the end of it, there's, like, a foot of snow. I mean, to be fair, it is Canada. <laughs> yes, it's true. Um, and then, like, you know, a guy it's, checks... It's always snowing there. It is, apparently, in the winter. Um, and, you know, a guy checks in about editing and stuff. That's where Sydney makes the comment about him being cute. And then Caitlin revealing that he, she, he's his, her boss and he's gay. And this is where we all wish. Because we're going there. Yeah, this is when we all wish that just Sydney and Caitlin just got together. But that's not what happens. Because instead, Sydney is like, oh, BT dubs, so problem. 
I can't get a babysitter for Angie and Joey and I are going to my work party. So can you help? Thanks. Love ya. Not really. Wait, question though. She also says Craig's busy. What do you mean yeah. Craig's busy? That's <laughs> yeah, right. 15. You tell his ass to watch the ba- his little sister. Right? I, like I I could never I could never tell my parents when I was 15. Uh yeah, no, dad, yeah, no, I can't do that. I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, what? I agree. There's I'll... just when that you say that to a parent, there's just dead silence as answered and they're like all right, so when am I showing up to do the thing you told me to do? <laughs> right? It's just like, yeah, so like Sydney is just like, yeah, you know, all these things. She also makes like a passing comment to Caitlin about what kind of guys that Caitlin dates. Caitlin reveals that she likes, quote, real, strictly real world guys. Um, <laughs> she means only dudes that were on the real world. <laughs> That's what I was going to say! You beat me by like five <laughs> seconds. I was trying to remember what the fuck I the name like, of that guy from What was that guy? Hawaii Polly was. Walnuts like, on, or whatever? Only, only, only Judd Winnick. <laughs> I snorted, I'm sorry. Tie that all together. He also wrote X Men, so. Ooh. Um, good. Yeah. Um, so. I'm a, I'm a wealth of useless oh, information. That's why you have me on the show. Did Basil just hit the wall? She might have. She did. Oh, oh Basil. Anyway. Um... Anyway, they're getting. They're, they're uh, losing it like we are. Um, so, yeah, Sydney drops the. Can you babysit? Caitlin's like, yeah, sure, okay. And then Sydney's like, also, can you rent a DVD? Okay, bye. <laughs> it's odd. Very strange. But, what DVD do you think she rented? Kangaroo Jack. Not out yet. Came out in 2005. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> uh, toy Soldiers? Did I come out yet? Are you yet? kidding me? Small soldiers? Uh, oh, I think, yeah, small soldiers that come out. It came out in the I 90s. bet you it was small soldiers. Caitlin's like, oh, it's animated. Like It'll be 2000s. fine. That's what I guess. Uh, it's pretty good until it's, like, horribly about, uh, like, uh, torture. I agree. I agree. That was a movie uh, that I was give that uh, my family rented totally accidentally. Not a good idea. Uh, my, my video store, I think I told the story before, my video store kept the hentai right Ooh, next to nice. I'm sorry? The Gorgonites. Oh my god. Uh, the right. aliens. I was really... Small sol- I really loved Small Soldiers. I did too. I should not have been watching it. But I, I really liked did. it. I haven't watched it since I was that age, but... I think Kirsten Dunst was one of my first like childhood childhood crushes, so... You know. Mm, so, She's yeah. in that movie. Kirsten apparently was in a similar boat. The yeah. peanut gallery has spoken. I felt weird about it because she almost had the same name as me, and I was just like, mm, she's really hot in Elizabeth Town, so whatever. Yeah, there you go. Hey, hey, just less for you to remember. Yeah, there you go. That's going to be super fun to edit that part. <laughs> 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 but, um, so I'll, I'll just put in my, my, my own voice, being like, okay, so what Kirsten was saying. <laughs> was this? Right? We'll see. Um, meanwhile. It got picked up. I could hear it. Yeah, I mean, the mic is not that bad. Anyway, anyway. Um, the next scene we have is finally what Pierce was commending as the best part of the episode, which is Jimmy in, like, a very particular British accent reading Christmas Carol. Wait, no. Isn't isn't there more stuff? No. Oh, okay, no, no this sorry. is where it happened. goes. Out of order. He's trying so hard with that accent, man. He is selling it. Because he's, he's like... Is it better or worse than his Jamaican accent? 
Because he, he's trying, like, this is definitely like, I'm going to put this on the audition tape, show them I got range. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, if, this is, if my uh, rap career doesn't work out, I guess I can continue acting. <laughs> <laughs> one day I'm going to make you watch one of his earlier music videos. Because they used to, like, they premiered it in between, like, Degrassi episodes on the end. Yeah. Wait, What? Yeah, like, there was, like, a one, once I was watching, a couple times I was watching the end, and, like, I remember that they were, like, hyping it up, because, like, they used to show music videos what in between. What year? Oh, I don't remember what year. It was, like, but it was... Was it, like, Best I Ever Had era? No, 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 no. It's, uh... Um, like, 2008, or earlier than that? I think it was earlier, because I don't think, because I'm pretty certain, I'm pretty certain, if I recall correctly... And I could be wrong because I have not really backtracked this. If I, but I remember him not really going by Drake for like a single. Like he did like one or two singles, and I, I, I remember he had a music video, but I don't think he was going by Drake yet. I think it was just like, or at least they didn't pitch it as it was Drake. They were like, "Come see, like you know what is his name, like Aubrey Graham." We're like, watch, listen oh, yeah. to his perform. Like this is his music video. Oh, I do vaguely remember this. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. Oh, there's a kitty. Yeah. Uh, do you that know what Drake stands for? What does it stand for? Dragon. Drake stand. Drake. No, Drake stands for do right and kill everything. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <true>. <laughs> you are fucking with me. Nope, that's true. I, but I would say I would. Yeah. I would say you're yeah. not lying. Do right it was and kill everything. Do right and Cash kiss money. everyone. <laughs> I think he's trying to do that. I think he is. For better and for worse. Uh, I just get super weird in my sock. That's cool. They like socks. I don't know. It's because they smell. Yeah, I know. Um, she, she's just she's just a girl living in this world. Um, anyway, so Jimmy's trying really hard with his accent. Craig leaves class because Manny kind of is like passing through. Um, I, <laughs> we've all done it. He walks outside and she's just like... I had to walk by six times. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. And like, I think, I think, um, I think uh, Snake thinks I have like a urinary tract infection. <laughs> <laughs> but like, she also is just like, like he leaves the class. He sees her. She's like, she just jumps to like, I'm hey. in love with you stuff. Like she's just full on like, you know, doing that whole thing. Um, You're gonna leave me, so I better say the L word. Yeah. So she drops that. Which would have been a super interesting plotline. Lesbians? Yeah, I wish. I wish! <laughs> Unfortunately, not the case. But yeah, so she does the whole, like, I love you. Um, and, like, you know, that, like, she's upset about the Ashley situation and everything. And she just kind of walks off and he, in typical aggressive male fashion, kind of slams on a locker. And it transitions to him, like, stomping through the snow um as he and that's just ugh. yeah i don't have very much to add about this other than it's very typical and kind of cliched and this whole episode the tone of this episode and i think why i didn't like it as a kid i find the tone to be odd in the sense that i think it's like the a plot and b plot are so similar but there's also this like tropiness about it that feels even beyond most Good. Degrassi episodes. <laughs> I'm sorry, there's only room for one. Oh no, Basil wants on the lap too. 
But yeah, like, I don't know, Pierce, if you felt this way, too, but, like, the tone of this episode is very peculiar to me. It's, it feels like a, uh, they were like, oh, we sort of wrote ourselves into a weird little corner where we feel like things do need to happen. It's, like, weirdly spinning its wheels while also, uh, kind of getting plot stuff done, right? Like, yeah. it, it kind of feels like, all right, well, we wrote Sydney in. Okay, cool. Well, Caitlin came back. Uh, okay. Uh, we kind of gave Craig two girlfriends. Uh, right. Which, uh, here's another thing. There's no teenage boy who's trying to get two girlfriends right at Christmas. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> like, come on. Come on. Especially when he's buying one of them, like, a $200 vintage Ramon shirt. Like... Uh, which, when you see the shirt, is, like, clearly the most bootleg nonsense. Oh, yeah. Uh, that is not an original 1979 Ramon shirt. Nonsense. Terrible. It looks awful. It looks really ugly. I thought Um, that, too. (laughs) The most real thing that Spinner could have said to Craig in this episode is, Craig, what are you doing? You just gotta break up with both of them now. Get back together with them right after Valentine's Day. Right? Like, that's what should have happened. Like, it's it's just, there's so much about, oh, God. Yeah, it just, like, it operates in this weird bubble, and it's not just the typical, like, this is the holiday season and everything kind of operates weird during the holidays bubble. It's just, like, in a weird... Yeah, Christmas logic. Yeah, it, it, and I think that's my issue with the episode, is it follows the same logic patterns that most Christmas programming does. Where everything kind of falls in a way that's just so, and isn't really saying very much. Like, I feel like it's not, I feel like it's not, like, I feel like regardless of how well Degrassi does it, a lot of the time they're trying to be insightful, and this just felt like wish fulfillment for Joey Caitlin Chippers. Like, I don't know. And that's why I guess I was saying earlier, like, it almost feels like the adult stuff is the A-plot. Yeah. Because the, uh, the stuff with the characters that are actually the main characters of this season kind of feels sec- a little secondary um, and is so tropey. Yeah. That you're just kind of like, oh, oh, I could have guessed that's how it's going to go. Exactly. I almost wish it was like a, Craig was dating neither of them but accidentally planned two dates at the same time shenanigans. Yeah, I would have vastly preferred that. Like, I don't mind... Like, the miscommunication. I don't even mind that Craig is torn between the two. I do wish that the stakes were not he's in a long-term relationship with Ashley and he's been fucking, like, fucking around with Manny. Yeah. Especially because Ashley gets no agency in these episodes. She basically says nothing for two episodes. But that's also been... Which is... It's also been this whole season so far, though. Like, she... Yeah. She, she lost so much of her autonomy that made her interesting, and quite frankly, in the second season, made Ashley and Craig a more palatable couple. It's like they really wanted to... Th- there's a lot of, in this season, a lot of agenda writing, and some of it's working yeah. pretty well, and some of it's working horribly, and I feel like this was an example of it where it really suffered. I feel like Craig's characterization, which was beautiful in season two entirely gets screwed up by season by this season and you know we're we're on a you know we're on this weird road now and it just kind of feels like i feel like manny suffered like a lot of characters 
it did not it, the serialized approach this kind of soap opera approach really screwed over a lot of characters even if it's more entertaining television yeah quote unquote uh when you say agenda writing you obviously you mean the sjw agenda oh is, yeah absolutely uh, ruining, degrassi really that's ruining degrassi it. degrassi yeah. no that's what i figured yeah of course god um, <laughs> oh, so, that was the heaviest sigh. I do you know, know. I just uh, thought of, I just thought of some Netflix anyway, Degrassi stuff. Welcome back to the hashtag Degrassi Gate podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, that's a terrible joke. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I just only only Netflix Degrassi fans will know um, the bullshit <laughs> that I've dealt with. Only, oh boy! Only early aughts kids would actually care about this episode. <laughs> right, but um, I am an early aughts kid, and I don't give a shit. I didn't give a shit then either. Anyway, so meanwhile, Craig is stomping in the snow. Angie is at home making clay pipes, guitars, clay shit with Caitlin because Caitlin's babysitting. Who knows? Who knows? And Caitlin and you know Caitlin's like doing okay. Angie is like, oh, like, I really want to put on my pageant dress. And Caitlin's like, yeah, whatever. Um, and Craig comes in, and he is, you know, Caitlin's like, wait, weren't you supposed to be at Ashley's? He reveals he's not leaving yet. Um, and he talks to her, because that's always great. Teenagers getting advice from Caitlin is always a great idea and has never gone wrong once. Um, talks to her and asks her, like, you know, I should feel lucky with Ashley. And, you know, Caitlin is like, yeah, I mean, I guess, but, you know, it's really about being with the right person. And Craig has, a, you know, one of those Dr. House brain blasts and literally just, like, leaves the room. Leaves the whole damn house, actually. He's like, gotta go. And he puts on his rollerblades and skates away. All right. Yeah. Thanks for watching my little sister or whatever. Yeah, like, thanks for letting me be able to gallivant around the fucking town, because he goes to the ice skating rink. How did he know she was at the ice skating rink? I don't fucking know. Not like Angie was having lessons there anyway, so, like, what the fuck ever. He bolts over, and this is where we have this hey. very... Uh, Miss Dahlia wanted to be on the table. Oh, this is good podcast sounds. <laughs> um... Anyway, so Craig... Welcome back to the Cats on a Table podcast. Uh, this is your host, Dahlia. Take it away, Dahlia. <laughs> oh, Dahlia. She just wants attention so badly, and Frank does not hesitate giving it to her. She is so cute. She is very cute, I know. Um, I'm going to third that she's very cute. It's true. Um, so, so Craig... What's Craig's on the ice skating rink. It's like, ugh, ugh, I hate this scene. Anyway, Manny is skating. Craig tries to walk on the ice, screaming for Manny. And once again, this is like, we're really supposed to believe Craig is the hero here. He's doing the big, sweeping, romantic gesture, and we're supposed to believe that this is okay. I would have absolutely loved if a hockey player knocked him down at this moment. Dylan just appears. He's like, fuck you! Oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> Nobody likes Craig's a cheater, favorite Craig! Movie. Cra Craig's favorite movie is Love, actually. Oh, it's probably true. <laughs> But, like, I just want Dylan to, like, shove him down and Marco's just, like, nodding in the back. Like, yeah, that's what you fucking get for being <sighs> a dumbass. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, he, he's, like, he does, yeah, he does this really cliche kind of rom-com revelation of, like, you know, I made a mistake and you're the one and all that, you know, that bullshit. And, like, you know, she jumps into his arms and they kiss and then they play keep away with his ugly ass hat and we're supposed to believe that this is the enduring love. Somebody wants up. Oh, you want up. 
Miss Dahlia wanted attention again. She's insatiable. Um, yeah, so we're supposed to believe that this is a big, sweeping, romantic gesture. And I say that because it's like, they really want you to believe Craig is okay in this. We're really supposed to believe that he's just a man torn between two women. And Now, here's the thing, though, Donnie. You have defended Craig in the past. I have, but... There, regarding this, like, especially... I feel like things have kind of accelerated in a way that I can't... I can't excuse it. You know what I mean? I, I think, like... Yeah, like, I think when it was the first time. I think when it was the first time, it was kind of like, uh, okay, I can see why you're, you're, you know, you're, you're fresh out of an abusive situation, and I understand why emotions are a bit raw right now, but, like, it's been so prolonged, and there's been enough time for him to realize he's fucked up. Because it's like, I think there's a difference in the early point of it. Because remember, the big tension in the early point, a lot of it was, like, he was apprehensive to say I love you to Ashley, right? He was he was concerned about that. And he wasn't quite ready. I feel like we are far beyond that being the major conflict here. Yeah. Now we're just kind of operating on a, I have more sexual chemistry with this person. This is the person I want to be with because that feels right to me. And I'm going to screw over this other person because of it. I think there's a difference. Early on, I think you could have hand-waved. Not hand-waved it, but you could have been like, I understand why we're here. Mm-hmm. Now we're at a point where he is every other stinky cishet boy in Degrassi. Yeah. Margaret. Also, though, object permanence, so... Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of the It's thing. hard for him. But, like, I feel like... If if Degrassi really wanted to truly quote unquote go there, go there, it, yeah, <laughs> I feel like it could have become something interesting and insightful about being like you know in a situation where you you want attention and you don't know how to negotiate it and you're still like you know trying to recover and in many ways you haven't recovered from your past abuse like that could have been a conversation piece. But the amount of attention to detail and sensitivity these fucking writers would have needed, they. I don't think they ever could have pulled it off, even if they talked about it. Well, and what's interesting about it, too, is, like, uh, Degrassi almost does the thing that it should do, especially in these two episodes, right, where it almost says, like, look, these are problems you're going to keep having in Mm -hmm. relationships, right? Because Joey is having a very similar problem to Craig. And, like, I don't know, I'm 30. I, I, I constantly find myself in, like, not constantly, geez, but, like, you know, I, I find myself still in, like, in, like, relationship sort of, um, uh, you know, situations that I'm like, oh, how do I navigate this? Oh, this is similar to the thing I've navigated before. Or this is similar to something that I've navigated before, except it's with somebody different or it's involving different people. And now Mm. I don't know what to do. And I ask my friends for help or I think of things that I've done in the past. And so it's like, you know, human beings, like they change, but they don't change that much. At least, at least in some of the patterns that you kind of set yourself in and all you can hope to do is like recognize your own patterns, recognize like, who you are and hopefully grow from these things. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, like, the world of Degrassi doesn't let these characters grow that much. Uh, it gives, like, sort of the illusion of growth. Um, yeah. And also, too, the writers, because they refuse to... They have a sort of refusal to really let new characters blossom within the world of Degrassi. You know, um, they're much more concerned with keeping sort of their 
if they're not new kids, right? Like new mm-hmm. adult characters kind of get pushed out. Even some new kids that don't start out with everybody don't always really get the best, um, you know, uh, the best shake at it. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. They, they, they could do so much better if they really wanted to quote unquote go there. Um, yeah. and I think it would have made for a much more interesting show. Um, that's not what we get. I, I still think we're in the same arena that we were talking about this like way back in season one or beginning of season two. Um, I agree. I agree with everything you said, Pierce, but I think it's also like they don't want the boys to be ruined. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've, we've seen this constantly with JT and Toby True. where we're constantly like, uh, we TJ, you mean, <laughs> <laughs> You know what? For me, after the end of season two, and that he hasn't done anything that terrible this season, he gets to be JT again for me. Um, The thing is, like, they don't want to, like, they want the boys to be able to remain fun and likable, even though they are not, like, Craig's not being either of those things right now. And, and that's the thing. It's like, I understand the big risk you would have if you actually want to explore, like, what it's like to be an abuse survivor trying to navigate relationships. And I understand that's a very, a potentially scary place to go as a writer, especially if you yourself are not a abusive survivor, because you are potentially saying, like, you are, you know, you've gone through a fucked up thing. And because of that, you, you can, you don't necessarily have the, the tools to, on your own, navigate relationships in a healthy manner. Right. I get it. That's a scary place to write because you don't want to, like, that is a place that you want to make sure every word is right, every word is intentional, and that, you know, you, you find a way to make it still be very clear that, like, that not to vilify the survivor in the process. But, like, it's, it just doesn't try, and in many ways it feels like they forget about it between season two to three. Well, I'm not even talking about, like, Craig's history as an abuse survivor in this yeah. moment. Like, I'm t- it's the same thing I have with Joey. I agree, yeah. Like, the boys jo- are infallible. Yeah, Joey is, like, instead of being like, hey, Joey did a shitty thing. Like, you know, because the show wants us to be like, Caitlin and Joey are meant to be together, so it's okay they smooched. No, it's not. No, oh, no. Once a cheater, always a cheater. Like, that's, you know... So, Joey, you know, like, Joey should be called out for that, just like, as Craig should be called out for it, and it, the show shouldn't be like, feel sorry for this character, it should be like, hey, or, well, for, yeah, for Joey, the show should be like, what he did was crappy. For Craig, it should be like, it's complicated, but these are not good actions. Yeah, it's still crappy. Like, it's complicated, but it's crappy. Yeah. Like, those, those two statements can be true. Yeah, well, you can still have... Right, it, it, it should be able to show that one of them, it's a pattern, and one of them can kind of come back from it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, because Craig, in theory, is young enough that this doesn't have to be the kind of person that he is, whereas, like, what we know of Joey is, like, this is how he operates. Yeah. I, I uh, yeah. On some level. I agree, I agree. Because, like, Joey, I'm not going to get into it. I, okay. I can't, it's... I will literally spend three hours ranting about Joey. So let's, Nobody needs that. So let's move on. Um, so meanwhile, Joey... So let's get into it. Yeah. So Joey and Sydney return from Sydney's holiday party. Joey... Joey Pod. 
<laughs> yeah, right. We gotta talk about. I don't want to talk about Joey, so I gotta talk about Joey. Um, and Joey complains because he feels that the whole holiday party he felt out of place, and that he talked to the bartender. And the thing is that Sydney and I, I get this feeling of alienation, and I guess it's the writers trying to plant the seeds of doubt in our our like you know our certainty that this relationship is any good. But honestly, Sydney handles it pretty well, which is just like you know. Like, my coworkers like you. Like, you know, it's just going to take time. You just got to get used to it. And the thing is, I, I didn't exactly know what the what Sydney's job was. I looked it up. Sydney's a real, like, a realtor. Yeah. I thought, like, she, I thought she was coded as, like, a finance person. Yeah. And, like, I've been around finance people. Like, they are, if you're not in that same world, it's a tough to find a, like, you know, a, a way in. Like, I went to a party with a bunch of finance people, and they're like, so, like, you know, I was thinking about changing over this stock. He's like, yeah. Cool. I saw a bird the other day. (laughs) Whenever I'm in those situations, I just try to do, like, the Patrick Bateman, like, talk about Huey Lewis in the news. Because I think it's funny. Well, I was trying to... Because inevitably... I'm sorry? I said, like, inevitably somebody will try legitimately interact with you about it, not realizing that it's a joke, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> but, like, you know, not to, like, shit on realtors, but they're not, like, the elite of the elite. Well, their whole thing is that they have to be relatable enough, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, And, like, Joey being a car salesman, like, I feel like they could find common ground somewhere. <laughs> it would have been really funny. If- I mean, some people... Let- some people live in their cars, so... Like, I feel like he could have found kind of, a connection. They have the same job. It would have been funny. They They're were, not surgeons. It would have been funny. They <laughs> Surgeons are a whole nother level I know. of being unable to talk to people. <laughs> um, like, it would have been interesting if, like, they had a discussion on, like, hey, we... How, how good are you at faking, like, human interactions? Like, pretty damn good. I'm a used car salesman. But, like, yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's, like, uh, I... It, and once again, like, Sydney doesn't handle it poorly. Like, she's just kind of, like, you need time. And and I don't think that's a bad thing to say, seeing as though he was in an element... Like, regardless of how relatable realtors are to used car salesmen, it is a different environment. It is people that you're not used to hanging out with. That's always going to be awkward, even if you're somebody who's as seemingly gregarious as Joey. You're always going to feel a little weird and a little bit like the odd person out. Fine. Fair. It's weird because I feel like the writers really want you to start really, like, it's like, oh, look, they can't connect because he can't get along with his, with her coworkers. It's like, this, that's not easy the first time you do it. Like, nobody does. No. But, it's also, um, like, a him problem. It's not really her problem. Yeah, exactly. And then they walk in. Caitlin is asleep with Angie on the couch. Um, and Sydney... Um, gets really aggravated because Angie is in the pageant dress. It is. Like, there's a really cute moment where, like, Jimmy quickly runs off and gets a camera and snaps a pic of it. Yeah. Which I, I did like, because I was just like, not Jimmy. Damn it. <laughs> Joey. <laughs> Drake just shows up. He's like. Again, he wants to recruit this girl to more people. And he's like, do right and kill everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's his middle name. <laughs> I looked it up on the Wikipedia page. He's Aubrey Drake Graham. <laughs> yeah, but in the lyrics from Miss Me, he says, and Drake just stand for do right and kill everything. I love Nicki Minaj. I told her I'd admit it. 
I hope one day we get married. Just to say we fucking did it. And girl, I'm serious. I'm with it if you with it. <laughs> he also rhymed the word everything with everything in that song. So you know. Me writing poetry though, to be honest. God, I wish Dessa wrote for the show. Anyway. Um Dessa Dessa knows what it's like to be the other one. Dessa unfortunately was nowhere near the writing room of this damn show. She wrote one of the better episodes of Walking the Night Vale. Anyway, moving anyway, on. Anyway, okay. So, um, you know, Sydney is like, you know, does another really aggressive statement where she tells like Angie to get out of the pageant dress and she's just like, you know, very clear, like she's like, she's not she's like, I'm not mad at Angie looks at Caitlin. And it's like it's really once so again. So weird. Yeah, it's just very odd it's just like really just like antagonistic but there's not it almost is like there's not enough evidence for her to be truly antagonistic you know what i mean like like i not to say that i i don't like the idea of pitting women against each other i think it's lazy ass writing quite frankly in this context but like you would think caitlin has made more moves on joey with sydney present with the amount of aggression that sydney is throwing at caitlin this is legitimately like you start getting swim fan vibes from sydney oh <laughs> <laughs> oh man i didn't, i never thought of i never thought of it that way but that's that's perfect she, yeah she's just like my american cousin madison bell <laughs> jesus woof but, like, yeah, there's just, like, this, this degree of aggression that just, it, it, it feels like you as an audience member can get it because you see all the sides. But if you actually looked at it from Sydney's point of view, it doesn't quite make sense. Other than, like, you know, uh, I can see what's happening. <laughs> and they don't have a clue. Like, that's just, like, it's, like, this weird bullshit. Yeah. Um, well, uh, and that's what kind of goes back to, like, this scene especially goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's like, you know, if, if they showed her to be confident and have agency and say, and for her to just be like, I don't care about this thing. I'm not threatened by it. But then understand what's happening and then say, you know what? I'm out of here. Yeah. Fuck you, Joe. Then it would have been Please. like, oh, cool. Great. Yeah. You know? In, instead, we have like Caitlin feeling, you know, yelled at because she was um and kind of storms outside <laughs> joe joey joins her and caitlin's like fucked up again she didn't actually but it would have been funny if she did the, uh, the one f-bomb <laughs> like, we got we got we can use another f-bomb we're degrassi we've used it before um but anyway she's like she's upset cause she fucked up again and joey's like you know there's dry cleaning and he says like sydney is particular and that's kind of how he labels sydney which I don't think particular is a bad word for her. She's definitely particular. Um, and then, you know, they have this really, like, the, the intimacy starts kicking in. Because Caitlin's, like, playing with Joey's scarf the whole time. He's in, like, a tux from the party. What the fuck? Why are they wearing, like, a tux? Anyway. This is a fucking realtor's party! Right? <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure you just wear a shitty sweater and you're done. Um, but Caitlin's, like, playing with his scarf and he leans in to kiss her forehead, and then they, and then like you know, the kiss kind of moves to the mouth, um, and it's me screaming into the abyss as this is happening in my home alone. 
Anyway. Yeah, I mean... Very weird. Are we still in the first episode? We are. We're in hell. Somehow, somehow we are. I'm gonna keep... I'm gonna... Okay, let's, let's rock it through this. Meanwhile, Craig goes to Toby and Ashley's... Um, Toby opens up the door, he's like, happy Hanukkah. Hey, remember how I'm, like, the only Jewish character and I get, like, no chance to properly spotlight my religion? I, I read this a bit differently, where he's just like, fuck your war on Christmas, it's Hanukkah time also. That also works for me, but, like, I feel like Toby's being Jewish is so underutilized, it, it, I don't even want to give them that much of a benefit of the doubt. Um, because that would require them characterizing as a Jewish character, and they don't do that. Um, Ashley is just like, oh, you're finally here, and Craig wants to talk, but Ashley quickly offers a gift, and the gift is her grandfather's guitar? Craig does not deserve that guitar. <laughs> what the fuck? It's a, it's a bonkers gift. I'm not too surprised in the sense that Ashley is so intense that I could see her being like, yes, this is the perfect gift. She, she better have gotten that guitar back at the end of this. Right. And, like, she, like, gives it to him. And, of course, because of that, he, like, he's so shocked. She's like, oh, well, you had a tough year. You deserve it. And Craig decides against talking and just says, like, oh, I love you. Um, I love you, new guitar. A- Ashley. Ashley. Yes, I mean Ashley. Um, meanwhile, we jump to school. This is where Paige and Hazel have a really weird exchange about Ramadan. Okay, but this is not, well, now we're in the second episode. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no we're not. There's one thing. Like, are you shitting me? I'm not joking. <laughs> Paige and Hazel have a chat. They make a weird passing comment about Ramadan, specifically Paige being like, oh, like, you get to starve after you eat food? I've been eating nothing but, like, sausages and various other meats. I could do it for the fast right now. Yeah, and, like, Hazel's like, what the fuck? Which is the right face to make when someone says this. Um, to, to be fair, I think that's Hazel's, like, face reaction to, like, most things that happen on the show. I don't think just it's like, in character. This is bonkers. Yeah, I think it's just the actress just being like, this is fucking bonkers. Like, I don't think she's in character, <laughs> like, facially a lot of the time. I think. Mo- most of the time, yeah. Like, I think she just wants to fucking ollie out. Um, and... Yeah, so that happens, that transitions to um, Craig dicking around with Ashley's grandpa's guitar, um, and Manny comes over and, and, you know, does some conniving business in which she says that she needs to finalize Craig's makeup. Meanwhile, Marco is playing an accordion. Um, Anyway, later, uh, after we see the accordion segue, Craig approaches Manny, um, and Manny's just like, oh, did you talk to Ashley? Uh, and then, like, he's like, uh, and she's like, I'll talk to Ashley. He's like, don't, <laughs> um, because he specifically lies and says, like, oh, I, I told her we had to break up, but I didn't tell her about you, um, and he's like, well, we're doing this sweet duet, so we have to perform, and we'll fix everything next turn and term, and that's how the episode ends. Jeez, that's all one episode? It's like everything and nothing. I hate this. Yeah. Alright, let's fucking go into the second episode. Alright, so now we're in episode two. Spinner and Craig are walking through a store. Craig is bragging about what he got, including this knockoff, but apparently vintage Ramones shirt. Um, and, like, you know, he took all this time. He also sold me some magic beans. Yeah, right? He's, like, thinking through this shit. And then, like, literally, like, he's like, yeah, this is so thoughtful. And then literally, like, two seconds later, he sees a gold bracelet 
with ice skates charms, and he's like, Manny's gift. <laughs> Fucking done. All right. Nailed um, it. Yeah. And, and this and a is, weird pink thing. Is that a sweater? I think it's a sweater. Yeah, it's a sweater. And of course... I he, remember those from being, like, 14. Me too. But, like, then, of course, like, when he sees the bracelet, there's this weird kind of, like, ominous, jingling, dissident noise, which is, like, what appears every time the bracelet is on the screen for the rest of the episode. Um, so he impulsively is like, yes, Manny. Um, and Spinner just like, oh, look at that. Um... Meanwhile, didn't I think he also says he bought his sister like a dollar present? Yeah, he definitely did. <laughs> he he totally did, and it's like this weird little spinning majig. But um, whatever. He's it's spinner. Um, I'm just surprised he got her a gift. Um, meanwhile, That's a good point. That's called the uh, character development, <laughs> right? Uh, meanwhile, Caitlin is plowing through the mall because she somehow knew Spike is taking pictures with Jack to meet Santa. Um, and of course, this photo guide is trying and getting kind of snippy as they're, um, as they're getting set up and, and, you know, Spike's trying to have a nice memorable moment of Jack's first Christmas as Caitlin's like, I gotta talk, I gotta talk, I must co-opt your time as you're trying to get this picture, this once in a lifetime because this kid is not going to be a baby forever. Anyway, hi, I kiss Joey and Spike is like, what? Right <laughs> as the camera snaps the picture. And I, I do really enjoy how that, that scene is framed, though, because while they're talking, you can see uh, you can see Santa Claus and the baby, like, right between them. Like, yeah. it's just, like, they're having this, like, crisis, or Caitlin's having a crisis anyway, and yet mm -hmm. the baby and Santa Claus are just like, yeah, I don't know, this is weird, sure. Yeah, they're like, oh, this is kind of tropey, but... <laughs> We're here. Yeah, just in the Santa, somebody's like pop up, and he's just like, yeah, I've dealt with babies before. A lot of them are like professionals. Like, it's like they're, at least the ones that I, I met the Santa who does the thanks, Macy's Thanksgiving Day period. Ooh. He does not break character. <laughs> I am dead ass. He did not break character the whole time I talked to him. I was like fucking 22 at the time. Never broke character. Anyway, like, a lot of them... Like, I mean, would, would you want him to? No, I wouldn't want him to, but, like, yeah. when I was told, I was like, how, oh, how, okay. Imagine if he, like, in the middle of it just started hitting on you. Like, how oh, no, I would mortified be, you'd be. Mrs. Claus be was terrible. there, too. It would have been awful. Um, ha! Like, but, like, I was told, like, oh, yeah, like, the, the Santa is going to be there. And I was like, okay. And it was, like, summer, which is also why my brain was so, like, confused when this happened. It was nowhere near Christmas time. And then he came in, and he was 100% in character, um, as was Mrs. Claus. Um, very lovely. Like, really, really, like, really friendly, and um, was helping out with, like, a Rutgers fundraiser type deal. Um, wonderful exchange, but yeah, 100% in character. Anyway, not the point. Santa um, is trying to absorb the drama. I would have looked really, like... Like, I was scooping it up. If I was in the middle of that, like, me as Santa, I would have been, like, craning my neck <laughs> in the photo. <laughs> like, yes! Oh, she kissed him! I don't dip, I don't, I don't dip my uh, cookies and tea, so go ahead and spill it! Yeah, I'm just like, ooh! Um, but... Does that mean that Caitlyn's on the naughty list? <laughs> yeah, right? I feel like, like, Spike turns her head and is like, so, what do you think? Um, but then they kind of, they talk about it a little bit. Um, Caitlyn 
is just like you know like she still has feelings for joey and spite and like you know like she also like puts down sydney in the process to kind of i guess time to gas herself up internally seeing as though she kissed somebody who was in a relationship with somebody else at the time and spike's like look you are clearly like emotional right now it's the holidays people react all over the place. I mean, we see how the writing has impact has been impacted by the holidays. <laughs> so Spike, nice burn. <laughs> I try. So so Spike's like write out a letter, and then reread it later. And this is part of the kills me. Spike's clearly like write this for yourself. <laughs> like and, and she's like you know write this for yourself. Write a journal basically, and then look back on it and see how you feel. Um, and she gets the picture from the haughty photo elf. And when she looks at it, she's just like, because it's like a clearly a candid, Caitlin is telling Spike, Spike is like half like, you know, making a face. And her big issue is Caitlin's hand is blocking Jack. Caitlin gesticulated <laughs> so wildly. And I did actually find this pretty funny. I did too. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just more Caitlin fucking everything up. Yeah, and like yeah, she's just like a whirlwind of ineptitude. She really is. And like she, everywhere she goes. And there's a part of me that actually quite likes Caitlyn for this quality. I like the idea of having a character who is like you know because Spike and Snake, in spite of their issues, they're married. They have a kid. Joey was married, has kids, things like that. Um, right. Caitlyn, we clearly see, is not in a committed relationship. Still kind of fumbling, probably one of the more realistic adult characters in that sense, that she is, like, you know, on the cusp of or at 30, doesn't, and has a very successful job, by the way, but that doesn't mean emotionally she knows what the fuck is happening. Yeah. And that's what I appreciate about her a lot of the time. Um, so that's why I like this scene, and I wish this episode had more of these friend interactions, because I would have liked to see more of Spike and Caitlyn. Spike and Caitlyn from the original series were really close. They had a very close friendship. We've seen that in the series. And it would have been nice to see more of Spike kind of popping in and be like, mm, what the fuck? Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, what are, like, what are you doing? Yeah, and I get that Spike has a lot on her plate, and then she also has, like, Christmas and Snake being sick and blah, 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 blah. But it would have been nice to see more friend opinions and friend input in these episodes, both in this plot but also in Craig's plot. If we saw more than just right. Spinner, if we saw more than just the Joey, Caitlin, Sydney situation, it could have resulted in more layered conversation than this weird bubble effect that the episode has. Yeah. Um, so, Caitlin then goes home, or is at work? I think she's at work. And decides to write this letter to Joey. Not to herself, not a journal, to Joey. It's really dramatic because it's like there are pieces of it that you can see and one piece in particular you can see is like this might be the last chance that we have it's like you live in the same town <laughs> you run in the same you, you literally always lived in the same town <laughs> right it's like it's like i don't actually think it's the end of the world i understand it's very distressing but it's not actually the end of the world um and also like you're not that old like this isn't, like, a tearful letter in your, like, 70s. This is, like, around 30, and you're like, oh. But anyway, it's, like, this really desperate plea for him. And then she decides... The best thing about it is that she types it up, though. Yeah. She types it up and then prints it out and then puts it in an envelope. 
Yeah, like there's so many steps that she takes. And not once does she have a little voice in her head that's like, you know, Spike said to sit on this. Like, she doesn't sit on it at all. She literally whips it out. It was probably still warm when she shoved it in the envelope. She's just like, like she's listening to Spike. She's like, maybe you should write a letter. Like, write a letter. Got it. Yeah, but there's more to it. <laughs> I wish there was that exchange, though. I think that would have been almost hysterical. Then she's like, yeah, I gotta write a letter. And Spike's like, no, you should take time and, you know, write a letter to yourself. And she's like, no, nah, I gotta write a letter. And then just, like, ran. Like, I feel like that would have been funnier. <laughs> and Spike's just like, no, come back. All right, well, I tried. Well, fuck it. Hey, Jack, let's go. Let's go hang out. <laughs> let's go buy uh, Emma Moore Mama Onu merchandise. Yeah, right? Like, mm, let's keep shopping. And also, um, it would have been great at the bottom of the letter said, dictated but not read, Caitlin Ryan. <laughs> But I, he, I love the idea of dictated but not read. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, she types it, she shoves it in an envelope, she walks to Joey's or drives to Joey's place, shoves it in the mail slot, and then realizes, I was in a haze. <laughs> you, and Amelia becomes the main character from Office Space. Like, what the fuck? She just is like, oh, I gotta get it. I can't reach it. She tries to reach it. She doesn't, she can't get it. Um, and decides that she sh- the next the next logical thing is what Joey and Sydney walk in on, which is Caitlin being in the kitchen window. And well, it's a great look. Yeah. Wait, what? It's a great look, indeed. I, I thought you said it's a great look. I thought you said Green Book. I was like, why are we talking about that movie? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that movie. <laughs> um, God no. You know, clearly deserved the Oscar. <laughs> I saw one of those, like, not, like, tic-tac-toe things where, you know, the one those like, um, it's like, this was a great year, and then, like, in the center was Green Book, like, not you, for, uh, black movies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway, so, yeah, Joey and Sydney are obviously confused. Yeah, and Caitlin's like, I forgot my Palm Pilot, I need it. (laughs) (laughs) And, like... The um, Joey's just like, why didn't you call me or do like literally any of these other things that you could have? And Sydney is why like, why didn't you do something normal? Yeah, like, but Sydney like fucking, she knows what's up. She's like, Joey, Angie, upstairs. Like, go look for it upstairs. We'll look for it down here. And like, I can't even be mad at Sydney at this point because it's like this woman was trying to break into your house, regardless of the intentions, she thought it was okay to stick her body halfway through this window. And I can't be... This is where, if Sydney started getting aggressive at this point, I would not blame her. If well, she just fucking was like, what the fuck is up with you? Oh, hi. Let's jump through the little hole. Oh. Um, but the thing is, like, she... the. Th- like, I, I, I feel you on that, but, like, she also says, like, I need this. No. Um. Like, her saying, like, I want this, I need this to work. I'm like. Yeah. This, that's this weird. weird. Yeah, it's really weird. So, like, we'll get to that part a little bit because there is a scene in between. Craig is, this is where Craig is, like, playing with Ashley's grandfather's guitar. He goes to go get Ashley some, like, hot chocolate because she says that she's freezing. And as he as he leaves, she starts, you know, wandering around. She finds a blanket. She pulls the blanket, and she sees that there are gifts underneath. So, obviously, she rifles through. It is the holiday season. 
Um, and she basically, like, she finds the Ramones shirt, she smirks. Then she finds the sweater and is like, that's fucking weird looking. Okay. And then finds the ah. the <laughs> bracelet. Cue the dissident noise. The, um, and Craig's just like, like, it's the sound of that beating infidelity. Right. Um, and then... Okay, so who wrote that song? Get Up Kids, Fall Out Boy. No, that's Dashboard Confessional. Yeah, that's Dashboard Confessional. Wow. Come on. Come on. Um, I wasn't born yesterday. Your hair is everywhere. <laughs> Screaming infidelities. Anyway. Um, I don't know any, I don't remember any other part of that song. Sorry, y'all. Um, anyway, so, um, fuck. Anyway, so she, she, like, she is, is, she ends up in a rock, in a, between a rock and a hard place because she's cold, she has the blanket wrapped around her, she's found these gifts, she has to take off the blanket to cover up the gifts again. <laughs> then we get to Caitlin searching around. I'm, I'm sorry, I just want to say this. I'm so happy they broke up. Not, okay. not because, like, you know, I'm just, like, Ashley deserved better than Craig. Craig I mean, was yes. always a shitty boyfriend. I mean, yeah. Um... As that's happening, Caitlin is still searching around, and Sydney's like, you know, you gotta call up the search. Your palm pilot's not here. Um, and she was just like, and she just straight up was like, it's fucking weird that you were, like, in the window. Um, and then she just kind of just cuts to it, and is just like, I know the palm pilot is a lie. Um, and that you still have feelings for Joey, which, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, okay, we're just gonna have that happen. Um, and meanwhile, as this exchange is happening, Craig appears, he finds the note, um, and this is where Cindy jumps into the Joey and his family need her jump. And that is odd. Yeah. <laughs> it's very odd. Yeah. It, it continues yeah, that- I think it's more of, like, making her, like, super type A, right? Like, yeah. make her so controlling and, and, like, that it's, like, you know, too much. Yeah, I, I feel like... To make like her a villain. Especially because the next thing she says is, like, you know, they that they need her and that, you know, they don't need Caitlyn, who is, like, a charming, klutzy blast from the past. And, like... I mean, hit that nail right on the head. Yeah, and, like... And that's the thing with Sydney is like I, I I feel for her to a certain extent because I feel like the writers are trying to vilify qualities that are not necessarily a thing that Joey shouldn't have in a romantic relationship. You know what I mean? Like mm. he is somebody who is a lot like Caitlin in this sense, where he is also kind of all over the place and, and needs somebody to kind of ground him, needs somebody to kind of give him structure. And Sydney seems to be able to do that pretty okay up until these two episodes. So it's, right. it's very frustrating to see this flip floppy vilification of her because at the end of the day, I feel like all it's being distilled to is like, Caitlin is fun versus Sydney is not. Mm -hmm. And it's just frustrating. Obviously, she crossed the line. I, you know, you shouldn't tell someone off like that. I get it. I can, you know, I, I agree with that. But ultimately, it, it's so obvious that she's just kind of like this weird pawn in the writing machine, and I feel bad. Hey, ow, ow, ow. Yeah, it just feels kind of lazy. 
Yeah, it is very lazy. Sorry, Dahlia and Frank are having a time. Um, okay, Dahlia, I'm trying my best, okay? <laughs> it's, it is like having a baby. It is a big furry baby. Um, but anyway, Caitlin gets really upset, rightfully so, about this. Grabs the envelope from Craig and walks outside. Craig and is just like, this belongs to Joey. She's like, I wrote it, idiot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she just like shreds it while crying on the doorstep. Very soap opera Yeah. Um, no. Meanwhile, there's a weird segue scene that happens. And I feel like they really didn't really have very much of a purpose to this. And if they did the approach that you wanted, Frank, which was like where everybody is at during the holiday season, I think this actually would have worked. Oh, excuse me. Now Dahlia wants my attention. Um, Snake walks into class. He's in pretty okay spirits. Everyone is kind he's like, oh, okay, guys, let's clean the stations. And Terry comes in. And reveals that she has a gift from on behalf of the class. Um, and the gift is a pompadour wig for Snake. And of course, he thinks it's great. He says he's the luckiest guy. And this was very out of place. Um, I mean... It's a very nice moment. Yeah, that's all there is. Which I guess is allowed. <laughs> Um, the thing is, like, I mean, he, <laughs> I, I get what you mean, Donnie, but I don't think he's asking to be like, thanks, this really, like, distracts the fact I have cancer. <laughs> no, 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 I wasn't asking for that. Like, I, I think that is kind of a sweet idea to have a scene in which you have, um, in which you have, like, a check-in on him, because I think his big arc this season is him processing having cancer and trying to learn how to have fun again. Mm -hmm. It just is odd because Snake is not at all the focal point of this episode. I honestly enjoyed this much more than any other part, because, like, oh, thank God, it's not the, any of the other people. I also did, like, um, Jimmy being, like, yeah, we wanted to get to a real one, but they're actually expensive. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, the and scene, he wears it for the rest of the episode. <laughs> it's true, he does. The scene is quite cute. Um, and then we're in Caitlin's office. Joey uh, goes up to her, and like literally, the door is open, and the holiday party is happening outside of it. Like it's just like her like stewing in her office when there's people clearly partying nearby. Um. Um, and Caitlin says, like, you know, the kiss that we had was us caught up in the moment. Um, and as they're trying to unpack that, her boss pops in and says that she has an 8 p.m. flight from, uh, at Mont in Montreal. Um, and, you know, she's just, he's like, well, you got something to do for the holidays. And she's just, like, really sarcastic. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm traveling with my boss, huh? Merry Christmas. Um, and they, like, have a really awkward handshake, and are like, yeah, we're cool, we're cool, yeah, 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 it's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I don't know, I don't have anything else to add, it was just, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Manny checks in on Craig about uh, the performance, um, and Craig is like, oh, let's go to a classroom where I can give you your gifts, because that's what you deserve, Manny, you deserve to be hidden. From, like, view at all times, apparently. Um, she opens up the gifts. It reveals what we already were suspicious of. The sweater is definitely for her, as well as the bracelet. And she goes, oh, Craig, you get me. 
I just want to rescue Manny from herself. You deserve so much better. Yeah. And especially because it's like bold. Uh, why do cis boys go, I'm going to get the girls in my lives jewelry? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I Especially charm bracelets. Like, woof. Yeah, right? Come on. At least a nomination bracelet. Come on. I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, whoever... <laughs> <laughs> whoever dates Fr whoever dates Frank, like, my original idea, if I was going to ask somebody to marry them, was to give them my original copy of Cold Mountain, the one that's falling apart. And the movie? Very... No, the book. Um, it was the book? Yeah. It's my favorite book. Oh. Um, the spoiler for a, for a book that's over a, two decades old at this point, um, when he sees his uh, true love again, it's the four, for me, the four best written pages I've ever read. Nothing's out of place. Everything sets the scene so wonderfully. Wow. But, um, anyway, like, you know, it it's trash. It's essentially trash, but it means the world to me because it's my original copy. Like, both yeah. covers have fallen off. There's, it's missing pages in the middle. It's in two halves. But, you know... Well, like, I'm not going to buy somebody a diamond, especially now that I know they could be blood diamonds. Right. My engagement ring is an official Aizawa merchandise <laughs> ring from... <gasps> <laughs> Frank, you dropped my daughter! I didn't drop her! <laughs> she was trying to cross the path of my legs and she fell. But yeah, my... my I'm uh, so sorry. Yeah, you better be sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> It'll never um, happen again, I promise. Oh. I will always make a laugh for you. Yeah, no, my... my Don't walk on the table. <laughs> my, uh, yeah, that's my engagement ring. It's an official Aizawa My Hero Academia ring. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Pierce, you couldn't... <laughs> Alright. <laughs> I'm sorry, that just came out. I was like, cool. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Probably never get married, so I will not worry about what I will give to this imaginary person. Yeah, but That's bad. it's very sweet. I like your book idea, Frank. Yeah. Well, the the other thing was I, I was gonna take like an Inman esque walk to go like propose, but I'm older now. I get tired easily. <laughs> <laughs> Just take an Uber. Yeah. There you go. Romantic. Ride sharing. Anyway. Um, yeah, so there's the bracelet. Um, Liberty is giving directions. Nicely, Liberty, in an episode. Yeah, right. It's great to see Liberty have a moment at all. But even then, she's like giving Marco directions, and he's like, Yes, Master. Which, like, never a cute look with characters of color, ever. Black characters specifically. Um,. Meanwhile, Manny is now giving a pep talk to, like, Ashley, this kind of, like, power play, <laughs> unintentionally, so, I don't know, um, and then Ashley, um, Ashley's like, you know, oh, like, you know, Manny's like, oh, like, you know, like, uh, good luck, blah, 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 and Ashley's like, you know, I just feel way confident when I'm singing with Craig, and Manny's like, wow, like, you're powering through, um, you know, your emotions are getting in the way, um, and Ashley's like, huh? And then she looks on, uh, Manny's wrist, and she sees the ugly-ass bracelet, and Manny's like, oh yeah, it's from a guy I've been seeing. 
And then Ashley sees Ashley sees the sweater, and the jig is officially, finally, thankfully up. Yeah, Ashley. Uh, Ashley see Ashley's like, hmm, interesting. Um, and then like she just kind of jumps to like, oh, you're with Craig. Fuck. And and Manny's like, oh, like you know, it's just that we didn't want to reveal it so quickly right after you broke up. And Ashley's like, we didn't fucking break up. <laughs> Honestly, I wish Ashley let Ashley say fuck. I feel like <laughs> this exchange would have been so much better. I, I did feel like I, I'm not I'm not approving it, but I did feel like they're like, okay, we'll just say like one like one time the b word. Right. Like somebody's gonna say it to somebody else. Right. But yeah, Ashley is just like, Ashley is just like, we're still together. Like, what the fuck? And then we have this bizarre moment where Toby's doing the spoken word about Hanukkah, and there's like these two stoic, presumably Jewish students behind him with their arms crossed. It's very odd. And they never show up ever again, do they? No, like, I I was kind of surprised they were even there, because I really thought Degrassi was just like, we have one Jewish student ever. His name is Toby. That's it. I'm trying to remember, I know in my elementary school we put on a play where we sang a song about Hanukkah. And also Kwanzaa. Nice. I only remember the tune of it. It's a Kwanzaa celebration. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Woof. Okay, I know how to do this. So... Toby, you know, does his little performance, and then JT appears, and then JT introduces Ashley and Craig. With a Monty Python reference. Yeah, that's true. Um, And... Of course JT does that. It's JT. It's TJ. But to be fair, like, that didn't seem like the most electrifying performance to follow. (laughs) Yeah, right? Um, But yeah, like, Craig starts playing guitar... And he's, like, trying to, to make it happen, and Ashley's just, like, despondent. Well, oh, like, she's just sitting there with her, like, arms crossed and whatnot. Oh, she's in a dark place. She's and in a dark I place. I would have loved it if she just turned, like, her head to dead eyes stare at him. Right. And he just kept trying to get it go, like, kept trying to sing it. Right? Like, it, it was, it was potent, it was pretty awkward, but it could have been way worse. Um, anyway, Craig is like, oh, we're performing, and Ashley just is like, just gets up, fucking slaps him, and stomps off the stage. I take um, it back, that's the best moment in the episode. I agree. So, he follows her off stage, JT comes zipping out, and she's just like, uh, okay, so, now it's time for... Well, no, he's like, maybe they won't be spending Christmas together. <laughs> <laughs> Which, honestly, not a bad joke. <laughs> no, no, no. Given the circumstances, that is a-okay. Um, and, of course, right after he says that Manny leaves, right as Kendra's doing her Lunar New Year performance! <laughs> uh, by the way, the holidays are, like, any holiday between November through, like, March, it feels like. It's like, they all count. Like, all of a sudden, somebody comes out for St. Patrick's Day. They're like, well, fuck it. Whatever. It's holidays. We didn't say they had to be holidays this month. They're they're casting a wide net. Yeah, they really are. 
But yeah, Kendra has like a bunch of people helping her do a Lunar New Year performance. Um, and Ashley is leaving as Craig tries to catch her. Um, and, you know, Ashley's like, Ashley reveals that she knows about Manny. And Craig tries to reach out to touch her and she slaps him away. Um, and then Manny approach and then Manny approaches him as she as Ashley is stomping off and says that you know she she just like she's like you're stupid <laughs> like you're an idiot and drops the bracelet in front of him ooh ooh wee he's like I already threw out the receipt to that like fuck <laughs> well, I'll re-gift it to Angie she also ice skates and Angie's like, this is dumb and tacky. <laughs> <laughs> it's no wonder Manny broke up with you. <laughs> I would. The infidelity was only like 20. Except, <laughs> the infidelity was only 20. she's animated and voiced by John Mulaney. <laughs> the, the infidelity was only 20% of it. The other 80% was this dumb bracelet, you idiot. <laughs> um, meanwhile... Oh, God. So, like, Craig, you know, Joey's at the performance and shit. Joey approaches Craig. Um, he's like, you know, I just want to know what happened. And Craig is pretty straight up about the fact that he cheated. And then Joey takes the time to be like, this makes me so mad, so I'm just going to try and rip it off like a bit. He's like, you know. <laughs> Are you okay, Frank? Yeah, I'm fine. That was my own fault. Okay, he's like, you know, Caitlin and I were engaged... And I cheated on her. Bump, bump, who cares? Right? And it's like, you know, I, I'm i a scumbag, too. <laughs> um, and, and like, he's like, that was one of my great, biggest regrets of my life. But you get over Ow. it. She's rowdy right now. You just gotta, you just gotta stop. I know it's very tempting, but she's rowdy. She's jumping on me. Anyway, <laughs> and so, I just want to finish this. Yeah. Um... Uh, what's his ass? Jimmy is just... Joey? Joey. <laughs> Jimmy shows... Jimmy just walks down the hallway. Jimmy's like, this is stupid. And walks jo up. Joey just walks down the hallway. He's like, hey, I dated her for quite a while. You're an idiot. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, Jesus. But yeah, like... Pops his bed like, and hey, why'd you listen to Spinner? He's an idiot too. <laughs> yeah, why can't Jimmy do it? <laughs> Jimmy and Marco are just like... Serves you right, buddy, and, like, walk off. <laughs> you listen to Spinner. <laughs> but, like, anyway, but, like, it's really weird, because Joey, Joey doesn't, Joey's just like, yeah, that was a regret, but you'll get over it. Like, he doesn't say, maybe you shouldn't be a scumbag. Because we, for all intents and purposes, know he hasn't really grown that much in this department. Like, he's just kind of like, yeah, it sucks, but, you know. I know what song I'm using at the end of this. Oh, good. Um, but it's just like, it's just like this weird thing where it's like, it, it, it almost feels like resignation. He's like, because Caitlyn is his enduring love, Joey is, is doomed to fuck up all the time. It's just really weird, the exchange. And like, it just feels like, it, it's very similar to the Wheels speech to Snake in the sense of like, Wheels was like, yeah, I went through this really shitty traumatic thing, but you'll get over it. And Snake's like, how? And he's just like, yeah, you'll get over it. Like, it's the same exact kind of energy in the sense that it's like, Joey once again being like, here's a really shitty thing that I did, and I kept moving forward. And Craig's like, well, how? And Joey's like, I don't know, I kept moving forward. 
you know, but that's because they're also they're all like so stunted because of yeah. where they live. Like they just all stayed in the same place. Joey doesn't really know how he moved forward, and he kind of. I mean, we end up finding out they didn't really. You know, like he didn't get over it. He lied. Well, that's so, the, but that's the other thing. He had a wife who died. It was like. Was he going to potentially cheat on his wife if Caitlyn came you, back into the picture? You know, Craig's Probably. mom. Yeah, right? Like, Joey has stake in this situation. And, like, the more I think about it, the more stressed out I am thinking about it. Joey, totally how I met your mother's Craig. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no. Because, like... When you find out that whole story, it's just like, so because your mom's dead, I'm going to go make out with your Aunt Robin? That cool? Cool. Oh, I hate this. But, like, it, it, ugh, it fits because Craig is like, you know, neither of you are over each other. Like, it's not fine. Like, you and Caitlin still are into each other, and even Sydney knows it. He, and he, Joey's, like, activated. He gives the whole speech from Lover's Walk by Buffy. That's Pike says to Buffy oh, and Angel. Oh boy! You never just be friends. Oh boy! Oof! This is, but like I feel like all the references that we are making speak to how tropey this whole entire shit is. It just is like every other thing you've ever watched, ever read about this type of relationship trope. It's not insightful. Yeah, that's true. It's not insightful at all. Um. Anyway, so. The crowd is applauding as Joey is just kind of in the hall. Um, Sydney is making her way out, and he's like, we need to talk. And literally is, like, talk confronting her in the middle of a school where Sydney does not have any familial ties to anything except for Craig. It is an incredibly awkward situation because he's like, you know, I heard you said things to Caitlin. And, um, and she's like, yeah, I said something to push her away. And... And um, she's like, you know, I really want our relationship to work, but it doesn't feel like you want it to. Um, and, you know, she she's like, you know, say, like, you know, can you say that you love me more than Caitlyn? And he can't. And she just literally just storms into the crowd, just gets consumed in the crowd. She fires off her grappling hook and disappears. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> um, and... Like, once again, we're supposed to believe that, like, Joey is some kind of hero after this because, it, it, you know, Sydney doesn't handle it great and just kind of ejects herself. So, like, we can believe that Joey is the good guy in this, even though, you know, he he made a move on Caitlyn. Because he did the big romantic gesture. Fuck that. Well, that's why he's the hero, because then he races to the airport to stop Caitlyn's private plane? Yeah, like, he, like, calls her, and Caitlin, like, looks at the, uh, fucking whatever, like, she looks in a window and sees Craig and Angie and Joey why there. Why the fuck are Craig and Angie there? I don't know why. Um, <laughs> Caitlin leaves the plane, and, um, and Joey is like, yeah, I broke up with Sydney, and Craig's like, oh, let's go pull Angie away. Um, let's go, let's go. Um, and then they have, like, this really schmaltzy exchange about never really leaving. And Craig's kind of watching it happen. And Caitlin's like, oh, I gotta take my shit off the plane. And then they kiss. And we're supposed to believe that this is true enduring love. 
Fuck you, show. That's the greatest love story <laughs> ever told, so. Clearly. But, like, that's the thing that makes me mad. Like, I did not like Joey and Caitlyn together in the original Degrassi. And now I'm supposed to believe they have this long, enduring love. Like, please. Please. Frank, you're just rocking. I want this to be over. Well, I don't have I don't have anything else to say. I think it was totally, like, trite. And it made me angry. And yeah. it made me... It's just kind of a bummer. I mean, we kind of have covered it already where it's like there's a lot of potential in a story like this, like especially with characters that are forced to be around each other as much as they are, right? Because yeah. all these characters just end up kind of circling each other for eternity. Yeah. Um, but the writers were more cons- – it seemed like the writers needed to like stretch this out to two episodes and were less – concerned with doing anything meaningful with these characters and more concerned with just getting couples where they needed to be mm-hmm. uh, and that, that more than anything else. Yep, which leads me to my question to you, Frank. What would you rate this episode? A C minus. Wow, that's very kind. Well, the thing is... That seems high. Yeah, right? Okay, okay D plus. Like, oh, that's more like it. It, what, it wasn't Drive. Which I still think mm. is the nadir episode, because I was just bored during that episode. Like, I was very annoyed. I fell asleep during that episode and then had to rewatch it. Which is sad, because it's 22 minutes. You had to stay conscious for 22 minutes. Like, if it if it puts you to sleep in 22 minutes, it's a bad episode. Yeah. Um, it would, like, the thing is, like, I gave it a C- minus originally, because there's a part of me that does love Lifetime movies, and this reminded me so much of a Lifetime movie. But I feel like I had more fun watching a Lifetime movie. I didn't have fun, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Lifetime... Well, yeah, no, like, you're not going to get the shit, like, fucking Teenage Stalker or The Wrong Daughter. No, but I mean, like, they're even, like, because, like, I've watched some Lifetime, not really the Hallmark ones, they don't, they don't do anything for me, but, like, the Lifetime Christmas movies can be kind of charming in a weird, hokey way. Yeah. But this wasn't charming, you know what I mean? It's like, these men are shitheads. That is the A plot and the B plot. (laughs) Craig is a shithead, Joey is a shithead. All these women suffer. Because, like, all of them get shortchanged in some way, whether it's Cindy gets broken up with, Caitlyn gets a half-assed relationship, Manny gets treated like shit, Ashley gets humiliated. Like, all of these women suffer, and it's the holidays, and I feel so bad for them. Yeah, like, Ashley's Christmas is ruined. Yeah, like, Ashley's Christmas is fucked. Manny's self-esteem takes another fucking blow. What's Cindy gonna do? I don't know. Caitlyn, I guess, has an okay holiday. I guess. Whatever. Anyway, so, yeah, let's move on to character rankings. Character rankings, everybody's going down. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty hard. Does anyone end up okay at the end of this? You know what, Sydney gets to go hang out with um, Atticus. Dr. Attila. Excuse me, Attila. Dr. What? Oh, God. Dr. The, 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 the sex ed doctor. Dr. I can't remember. Dr. Sally, I think she is. Dr. Sally. And the guy from the Jamaican restaurant. Yeah. She gets to go into that winner circle. Everybody else can just drop, like, a bunch of points, because, like, everybody just pissed me off this whole episode. Right. With all their nonsense and stupidity and just boringness. <laughs> right. Craig, like, seriously, my dude, like, you are, like, he's reached, like, the Toby JT Nadir level. I don't they, blame you. They crawled their way out of it, like... Well, JT did at least when he decided to like try and beat the shit out of Dean, which I was all for. Mm-hmm. 
But, like, it's just, it's awful, and I don't care. Like, I'm just tired. I'm just tired of, like, <laughs> uh, just tired of doing these awful men. Spinner especially is going down, like, a bunch of ranking sailors. He's a piece of shit. Because, like... Sorry, that's really mean, but he is. He, like, they've just done nothing with his character except make him worse. Yeah, it's true. Oh, God. It's like they're finding different ways to make him a shithead. They're like, we made him a homophobic shithead, but now... Let's just make him a run-of-the-mill shithead. Yeah, so everybody went down. Angie is still, like, st still pretty top tier. Good. Angie's still adorable. Nice. Um, and because we're both veterans, we can skip our opinions, but I hated this episode even when I was a kid, and I feel like that sums it all up. The fact that, like, you know, 14-year-old me was like, oh, fuck, holiday is on now? Fuck, what am I going to do for an hour? <laughs> like, I feel like that says it all. Um, anyway, let's move on to recommendations. This is where we recommend things that are tangentially related to the plots, or just things that we are generally enjoying. Um, because this is a Christmas, Christmas, holiday episode, I'm going to recommend my favorite holiday album, which is Like a Gift from God or Whatever by Chris Farron. It is like the only Christmas-related album that I listen to around the holiday season. Um, I really enjoy it. And... Maybe you are listening to this album around the holiday season, or maybe you're listening to this episode around the holiday season and it'll be timely. If it is not, I'm sorry, but next holiday season, give it a listen. I very much enjoy it. Pierce, would you like to give your recommendation? Pretty good. Uh, yeah, I have, I have, I guess, two recommendations. One is also a Christmas album by my favorite band, Los Campesinos. Uh, oh, yeah. It's the only Christmas music that doesn't make me want to die. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact name of Little EP. Oh, it's just called The Los Campesinos Christmas. Uh, it's only like six songs, so it's really good. Uh, and actually, I like these songs enough that I sometimes listen to them when it's not Christmas, because I think they're just really good. Uh, and then the other thing, I guess I was thinking about the sort of cheating, whatever, plot stuff, uh, and all I could think of was Grant Morrison's new X-Men, which is not better in the sense that uh, uh, any any men, namely Cyclops, get make, you know make out any better, um, but the women have a little bit more agency, well, that's um, to say. as, uh, as uh, you know, Scott is cheating on Jean with Emma Frost in his mind. Uh, so that's a thing for that's some comments, fun baby. X Men, X Men related uh, sort of drama. Uh, so that's that's my two, I would say. Okay, so I'm speaking of Scott and cheating. I'm gonna recommend Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Yeah. Hey. hey. Where the movie knows Scott Pilgrim is a shithead, will continually tell you he's a shithead, and will punish him for it. Um, I still think Scott should have ended up alone at the end of that movie. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. um, speaking of holiday stuff, I'm going to recommend the Terry Pratchett book, Holic Father. Not technically Santa, but, you know, it does have an excellent conversation about belief and why belief is important. Nice. So, my favorite holiday book. But speaking of books, I am literally... In Possession of Real Queer America by Samantha Allen. 
Yay, I'm holding it right now, which means nothing in, in podcasting. The book I have been talking about for several weeks. Um, should I read the thing? Up to you. Okay. Ten years ago, Samantha Allen was a suit and tie wearing Mormon missionary who studied the Bible to denounce homosexuality. Now she's a senior daily beast reporter happily married to another woman. A lot of her life has changed, but what hasn't changed is her deep love of red state America and of queer people who stay in so-called flyover country rather than moving to the liberal coast. In real queer America, Alan takes us on a cross-country road trip stretching all the way from Provo, Utah, to the Rio Grande Valley, to the Bible Belt, and to the Deep South. Her motto for the trip, something gay every day. Making pit stops at drag shows, political rallies, and hubs of queer life across the heartland, she introduces us to extraordinary LGBT people working for change, including the first openly transgender mayor in Texas, a bisexual activist in Mississippi, the manager of the only queer bar in Bloomington, Indiana, and many more. Along the way, Ellen weaves in her own moving story, discovering her identity, venturing out of the closet, meeting her wife, and creating a national network of chosen family. In writing this book, she takes her place among them, reclaiming real America as beautiful, unequivocally, powerfully queer. Hell yeah. Um, I'm about... Whoa. I'm sorry? I said, whoa, sounds cool. I'm about more than halfway through it, um... And I want to share a passage I put on my Instagram. Um, let's see. Uh, which I would I, I really wish I had when we were talking about Pride and all those other episodes. Yeah. Um, however, the answer was obvious. Homophobia, racism, and transphobia are like toxic gases. Left unchecked, they fill whatever space they're given to fill. Assuming safety only leaves you vulnerable. So, yeah. Samantha Allen is a wonderful writer. I would suggest you pick up this book. And if you buy it off of Amazon, leave her a uh, five-star review, because that really helps debut authors, like, reach a wider audience. Mm -hmm. And she also has another book called Love and Estrogen, which is absolutely beautiful. And it also is an audiobook form. So... I'm super excited to read this book. I uh, will let you borrow it. I just see. Oh yeah, I'll make sure to buy my own copy too. Cool. Um, that being said, I saw it in the bookstore. So happy! <laughs> like I was just cruising Barnes and Noble to like do some writing for a visitor friend. And I was just like, oh, there it is. That's so exciting. <laughs> Aww. Well, that being said, Pierce, you've made it through. What's up? Somehow. Two for two. <laughs> two for two. <laughs> um, how can people continue the conversation with you? Uh, I'm on Twitter quite a bit. You can follow me at PE Lightning. Uh, I comics a lot, and uh, I started a new band, so Hell we're yeah. releasing a record probably in a couple months. Uh, even a, probably even a few months from whenever this comes out. But uh, yeah, and uh, I'd say that pretty much. Twitter is probably the best way. Awesome. I can't wait to hear the new music. Um, Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> um, that being said, if you want to keep in touch with the show, there's a couple of ways you can do it. You can email us at ihopod at gmail.com, where you can send us any of your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, as well as if you are interested in appearing in an episode, feel free to email us with any specific episodes. Keep in mind, we operate with the slight buffer. Um, so we do have a couple episodes already recorded. 
So if you are somebody who is interested in doing one that is coming up really soon, make sure you email us as soon as possible. Um, if you are interested in some later episodes, feel free to email us and we will plan ahead with you. Um, if you want to, you can also, and we always invite people, to send in any audio or uh, audio files as well as um, text talking about the relationship with Degrassi or relationship with characters, seasons, episodes, etc. Um, we have a couple that are hopefully going to be making their way through to us soon and we would love to have yours as well. If you would like to keep in touch with us on other social media, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can join our pod, uh, our uh, Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast, and you can follow us on Twitter at I Hope Pod. We also have a coffee account, so if you want to donate some uh, donate some money our way, that is going to go toward tech as well as compensating our guests. So please do not hesitate to send it our way if you want. And remember that we are still challenging you to potentially submit reviews and ratings for us on iTunes. Uh, these Once we hit 20, we are actually going to go to the original Degrassi archives where you can really hear me talk about how much I hate Joey Jeremiah um, and because we will check out a couple episodes and give you double the content as thanks for helping us get on the map. Um, if you would like to talk to me individually, you can email, you can, uh, don't email me. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter at DMIsUnbreakable. Um, I have, I don't have a Twitter, but I do have a, another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. It's where my sister and I talk much stupider about other teen media. And, um, I also have a YouTube channel called Sir I Would Challenge, um, where I'm going to be doing some Let's Plays, some creepypastas, and just about whatever I want to put up there. Uh, including a, at what, certain points, uh some cooking tutorials, and other things. Yay! Um, that being said, we hope we can keep making it through. Hopefully we don't have as many shitty episodes. <laughs> and that you'll be there with us. Until next week. Later. Bye. Smoked him by then drank a single mouth scotch In his big brown leather chair He says, son, I know you cheat, just don't get caught Whenever you take a lover You get wise right from the start Cause I know you steal But don't steal a lady's heart Them goods you can never hawk They're gonna stay with you from the altar